Hello and welcome to the Lost Art Podcast. Uh, I am Gar, I suppose. Uh, I'm Paul. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's another one of those daytime podcasts. <laughs> you haven't quite woken up, um, which is probably good for this one. More than likely. That we're not drunk for not, this one. Not too sharp or drunk. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're doing another daytime one, so we're drinking coffee. Lovely coffee. Instead of drinking pints. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm into it. But I definitely would not be into drinking points at this hour of the day. No. Let's put it that way. Sitting in slatteries. It's not a wedding. Sitting in slatteries. Or, I'm at the airport, therefore I have to drink Fuck a point. off. You don't have to drink a point the at the airport. The only reason to go to the pub in the airport is to go out the back and have a smoke. Yeah. That's fucking it. Yeah. To go out into that poxy fucking wooden decked kip. Yeah. And have a smoke. Even if you don't gen- smoke. That was genius making that. Of course it was. Yeah. Even if you don't smoke, just to get outside. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to be stuck in a fucking cigar tube of death for the next X amount of hours. Like, spend as much time in the fresh air as possible. Surrounded by smokers. You don't like flying shit, don't Like what? You don't like flying shit, I said, I don't like slime. I was like, I'm not mad in the slime. You love slime. Well, it depends on the slime, lad. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> I'm mad in the slime wave. It's my favourite thing. Thanks for teaching me what that was. Yeah. Um, don't Google that. Don't Google that slime wave. <laughs> um, I hate flying. I hate it. I hate yeah, it so much. You're yeah. like Mr. T. I'm a bit like Mr. T. Except I get a... <clears throat> what do I get? I get Valium. I'm going to have to go flying. I go to the doctor and get Valium. Give yeah. me some of them. I can't. Valium's incredible. I'm not into drugs, but I'm into Valium. Everything's just fine. I'm, I can be a nervous flyer, but only a little bit. I think probably as much as the average person I'm, I'm nervous about. But, I, uh, there's no part of flying I like. I get in the plane and I start panicking. Yeah. And the takeoff... That is that isn't weird. It's just... it's You can feel the immense power from these engines just fucking hooring you into space, right? And you're like fucking bit back into the chair. And then when you do level out and the captain comes on and he's like, oh, you know, weather is this, that, and you know, we've got a six-hour easy journey now to blah, blah, blah. I spend every single second of that journey waiting on the inevitable inevitable and the hurtle through fucking space to my death, right? So even when I'm like... If I have to get up and go to the toilet, or I'm just going to stretch my legs or whatever, or I'm gripping onto stuff, like a death grip. Yeah. Because in my head, I'm going to have to, like, the plane's going to be upside down, and I'm going to have to, like, pull myself via the chairs, back to my chair, to strap myself in, to die in a sea, so my man and I have something to bury. <laughs> and well, then when we're landing, at least the landing, there's something about every second getting closer to the ground. Therefore, if you do crash, you well, might get away with it. There's one story in this podcast that's going to fucking freak you out. <laughs> I haven't been in a plane in <laughs> six, seven years. So tell the people what we're doing. Uh, we are doing... Uh, what did we decide to call it? We're calling it... Uh, not not well. well. So artists who have struggled with mental illness uh, or just basically carved a career for themselves, either maybe carved yourself a career from it Sometimes, in some cases, it actually helped, and then sometimes it ended their career. So it's about mental illness. Not that we have a fucking clue about it. To be honest with you, you don't, you don't have any mental health issues. You just ignore anything that ever bad happens. You don't. Me, you? Yeah, yeah. Just push on the carpet. I, I, no, I have to be real good. I'm doing my absolute best. I know. That's why I want to get them out. I know. Early. Look, my skin is crawling doing this one. Skin is fucking crawling. My spine is dying to get out of me. Well, you sound like some of the people that we researched today um, already. Yeah. No. Like, I, listen, it's definitely a thing. Uh, it's definitely a thing yeah after like, this re- have you researched these guys do you still yeah. not think mental illness is no, real no I need to understand that like when I was a kid everybody was just mad like there was just mad people there was no names for it there was just mad there's your man who throws stones at cars he's mad just mad well, yeah exactly you know there's mad Christie. stay away from mad Christie. he pulls people down lanes now there's names for everything yeah. that they had you know and treatments which is helpful for but, yeah, us but, and them yeah hopefully 
hopefully, uh, a lot of these people <laughs> didn't take help well, um, did not take help well. So yeah, they're people who suffer from mental illness or they're just fucking mad. They're yeah. just not well. They're just not well. I get um, a lot of anxiety, like a, probably more than your average person, I'd say, but uh, I just have to learn how to live with it. Like, I definitely feel, like, I, feel, I have emotions and all. Like, I feel no, anxiety. Don't. No, you do not. I feel anxiety, but, like, I just do it. Just get over it. Yeah. i tell you what happens to me. I get real anxious about something, and I'll be thinking, like, uh, like say I'm starting uh, a, a new DJ night or something like that, and I'm just, I'm inside, it's crawling. Oh, yeah, that, right? I still get that. Crawling. And I'm like, oh. All I do, all I do is just need a shy for six hours. That's all that happens a to six me. six hour shy? So I just hold on to it. I don't oh. actually need a shy. It's just my body saying, Jesus, get, just get the fuck out of here. That's why whenever I'm, if I go so you anywhere. You shit your anxiety out of you. Well, no, like, cause even if I do have a shite within five minutes, I need another one. Like, it's not real. It, this is just the way my body reacts to the anxiety in my head. I'm so confused. Yeah, I know. So whenever I go somewhere, I have to take, like, I take, uh, Imodium, Zantac, Rennie's, <laughs> painkillers. Like, I have to have, like, the go bag of medicine. Oh, I do that as well because you know of my sinuses. Yeah. Then the rest of it, once you start bringing them, you start bringing other stuff as well. Exactly. But I literally have a little nurse's satchel, like, full of shite that goes everywhere. Suppositories. Fucking dildos. Little, little, little things for cuts. Little plastic. Whatever. And little Super glue. Yeah. 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 A gun. Yeah. You know. So if you a backpack of, like, it's my go bag. A sick child. It's my doomsday. Bag. Yeah, my doomsday prepper fucking backpack is what I have. It literally if has someone everywhere. else that you didn't know that well <coughs> in the crowd was hurt, would you give them any of your stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That you'd like That's that. an excuse to go out and to buy more then. Yeah. There might be something new and, and, and it cool. Was, it became necessary. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be a field doctor. It necessitated itself. Yeah. Oh, listen, I've done some fucking... I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I some, some field doctoring that I've done in the past, I'll tell you another time, that... Uh, when the ambulance arrived, <clears throat> looked at me and nearly fucking locked me up as well. Like, uh, I'll tell you that later. Anyway, let's get uh, straight into this. Who is your first one? My first one is Rocky Erickson, who is a Texas-based musician who was... Um, he wrote If You Have Ghosts yeah. by uh, that ghost cover. And, oh, yeah, uh, I always thought he was European. Well, I, I, I would have thought he was Swedish with a name like Rocky yeah, Erickson. Yeah, with a name. R-O-K-Y. Well, that wasn't his real name. Um, Rocky, I can't remember what his real name was. Um, Balbawe. But Ericsson was a second Sylvester. name. It is, it is very, uh, and normally it's very European. They cover a lot of Swedish artists as well. Well, It's so usually I, European bands that they cover. That's why yeah, I always I thought. I would have thought that as well. But then um, he died last year. He did. And, and uh, it was actually a little bit before that I knew that. I kind of researched him because I wanted to know. There's some great documentaries out there on, on Rocky Ericsson because he's considered one of Asset's first casualties. Mm. Like the, one of the first acid casualties, and a couple of acid casualties on mine, mm. where the mental illness is almost undoubtedly come from breaking your own brain. Now oh, maybe yeah. maybe they or maybe it unlocked what was already to come sooner. Maybe I don't know, or maybe everyone has schizophrenia. Well, I think in everybody them. has the potential to be batshit. And it's I just, think everyone has schizophrenia in it in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it can be unlocked in your brain. That's terrifying. Yeah, one hundred percent. Something really bad could happen, or you could do too many drugs. I think. I think everything is in everybody. I don't think you get it via external sources. I think it just gets unlocked. You know, that might sound a bit uh, fucking Scientology. Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, with a fucking box flavour candle and all. Yeah, Jesus. Which sold out in like three hours. Imagine buying a candle. She bought herself. She probably bought them back to get them off the fucking market. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think most of that that stuff is just... She's mentally ill. Is she though? She's mentally ill. Do you reckon? Yeah, I do. I think she's just a chancer. I hope she's just a chancer. Well, a lot of her stuff is to do with that box, though. Do you ever notice that? Mad into eggs, putting yeah. p- porous eggs up her box. Yeah. As well as that, she posted something a while ago going, um, and I don't know much about science, I really don't, but she went, 
I like to wake up in the morning and have an alkaline water with a twist of lemon and some mint. That, yeah, will, neg- that will negate the yeah, whole idea. That's of, just water of, then. Of both. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Straight up just water. You feel. You put acid in alkaline base. <laughs> you fucking in. Fuck me. All right. So Rocky. Rocky um, was in a band called the 13 Floor Elevators, who are considered the originators of psychedelic music, believe it or not. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't thought they were like one of the original ones, but they were very, very, very much into LSD. Mm. And he was in a band with a guy who was a, a psychiatrist, actually, or a trainee psychiatrist, who introduced him to LSD. Mm. So that's a fucking irony, sad irony. So they were mad into um, LSD, weed, and masculine. And he basically got so far out of his mind that he couldn't find his way back into it. Basically, that's just it. And um, what happened was, to make it worse, in 69, he was charged with possession of mar- one marijuana joint. Um, Is it mad they could do you for that? Well, th- see, the problem was they were going around telling everyone, oh, drugs are cool. It, they brought too much attention to themselves. Yeah. So the cops just went, follow any Rap of them. snitches. Follow, rattling <laughs> on the mountains. Yeah. Um, he... Um, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. No, absolutely, but after one with you. He he uh, to avoid going to jail, he pleaded insanity. Okay, and they put him in jail, like mad mad people jail or mad in jail? people jail. Okay. Yeah, where he escaped a few times, and um, they started to give him electroshock therapy and thorazine. Now I don't know anything about electric shock therapy at all. It's no crack, but yeah, but like it has a real. I was reading. I had a quick read about it. You know what I mean? Because it has a public perception of being awful, and all your favorite apparently can work. All your favorite characters in TV shows get put, put against their will. Oh yeah, if you it, see it, it in lebo- a film. basically lobotomized yeah. for life. Yeah, if you see if you see it in a film, it's it's yeah. certainly no crack. But apparently, I, it can absolutely stop I, I, seizures. Absolutely, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, just to throw that in there about that. But uh, by that stage, he 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 was schizophrenic, and um, he was diagnosed there, but. He he was st- he was kept there for a few years, but he was still recording tracks and writing poetry and mm. le- leaking it to his family. Weird. They were keeping it for him like that and stuff mm. like that. So in the eighties, when he got out, um, he was still. I don't like using the term, but he was still batshit. Yeah, he was mad. We're allowed. His brain was. His We're bra- allowed. His brain was cracked. He cracked his own brain. So he sp- spent years. Like Gwyneth Paltrow's box egg. Yeah, he spent years uh, opening and going through and obsessing about junk mail. Junk mail. Junk mail. Got mad into it. Like, read, like, fine, reading everything, writing letters back to the companies (laughs) and all like that. And I shouldn't laugh at that. That's brilliant. (laughs) I know, it is. It's kind of brilliant. But he started writing letters to, uh, he got mad into writing uh, letters to solicitors, his solicitors, other people's solicitors, celebrities. Then he started writing to dead celebrities. Really? Yeah. And he got, um, that's when the police arrested him again for opening other people. He wanted other people's mail then. He just start, start robbing other people. I want to see what they're getting now. He's not getting enough junk mail, like. Yeah. So anyway, in 2001, his brother got uh, legal custody of him, and which was brilliant because his brother tidied up all of his legal problems because he had money that wasn't being given to him. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. As, as, well, as most artists. Yeah. And as well as that, he started to get actual proper legal aid because mm. for a while he was living with his mother, and uh, she was wasn't good for him. She wasn't taking care of him. He had a, an abscess on his tooth that was going into his brain. Yeah. And oh. that's what his brother stepped in and went. And they had to bring the mat to court to get custody of Rocky back off the mat. Hmm. And the judge went, yeah, he nearly died there. Well done. That was and, how the mat was full as well. Yeah, yeah. And she used to, uh, she used to be awful to him as well growing mm. up. And I think that, that, that's where a little spark happens. And if you do so much drugs and you have childhood trauma together, you're gonna, yeah. something's gonna happen. Of course. Happen. Something has to give. Yeah. Um, 
so he started getting his uh, his bit of his money back thanks to his brother, which was was dead sound, and um, they reformed in two thousand and fifteen the the, the thirteen four elevators. To I do remember hearing about that? Yeah, it was it was a big. It was it used to be called Austin's uh, Fest, okay. Fest, but they changed the name of it to uh, Levitation for that. Just for them. For them, because that was one of their songs. Yeah. It was a huge deal to them, because he's a Texas musician. <coughs> First of all, Texas and psychedelic music, the whole thing was based around yeah. that, that, that band and stuff like that. He uh, he died of unknown causes last year. Actually, remember you remember that? We think we mentioned it. I remember, yeah, yeah. We mentioned it on the podcast. Um, and if you want to know more about that, watch the documentary, You're Gonna Miss Me. It's really, really, really That's good. That's on Netflix, I think. It was. I it's don't know if it is now. anymore. Uh. I remember I watched it when it was on Netflix. Yeah. When it first came on Netflix. You know Netflix, you could tell someone yeah. something's on it and a few weeks later it's gone. It's gone off. Yeah. Um, that's a kind of sad story because, but towards the, towards the end I was looking at some interviews with him and his brother. He was, whatever medication he was on, he was totally content. Right. He would just sit there like pouring butter onto his pancakes and just finding that fascinating. But yeah. it wasn't, he wasn't in any pain hmm. or discomfort or anything like that. And uh, so that's all thanks to his brother. Um, getting them on the right medication. Good. A huge amount of these stories are people getting medication that is making them worse, which is fucking terrifying. That seems to be a, uh, uh, it seems to happen a lot. Yeah. With, yeah. With, not just mental illness, but fucking everything. Look at Ozzy Osbourne. Remember, everybody thought he was just fucked with the tremors yeah. and all, and yeah. just the drugs was he was on. Not on drink. Yeah. He was constantly locked. Yeah. That slur speech was, yeah. I was like, oh shit. And then all of a sudden he gets off and he's, he's talking, well, semi normally. Yeah. Like, Better. Um, anyway, that song I picked was Two Headed Dog. From okay. 1981, and that is about uh, Vladimir Demikov, who was working for the KGB, who tried to uh, put two heads on the one dog. Fucking literally, hell. literally tried to do that. <laughs> uh, who's your first one? My first one is uh, probably one of the the biggest names in 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 batshit at the moment, and it's Kanye West. Yeah, God, he's got trouble. He's troubled. Yes. What should we call it? When we will call it troubled. We don't. We haven't actually named this podcast. Yeah, we've, we've gone through a bunch of names for this podcast. I don't know what the fuck we're going to set along. Uh, don't want to don't oh, be, don't want to be annoying people too much. We like annoying people, but not not with something like this. I don't know. It's too afraid someone's going to fucking send a envelope full of dog shit to me house or something on fire. Or so, I don't know what I'll do. Two-headed dog shit, yeah. Uh, so we picked Blame Game, just because I kind of like this Such song. Such a great song. Yeah, it's just a nice little neat song. It's also a good example of uh, him not giving a shit what people think. You, you, I, don't, I don't know any other rapper that really put out a song like this that wasn't in a funny, jokey way. Yeah. I don't know any other rapper who puts out most of the stuff that he does, because I, I don't think he considers himself to be a rapper. I just think, like, first of all, he considers himself to be a genius. Right? He's, he's being out and out. Brutally honest, like I am the, the greatest genius of this generation. Yeah, um, and, and I think he's up there. He's he's definitely up it there. It depends on how you quantify the term fucking genius. Like <clears throat> you can't be you... just output because anybody can bang out an album a week and it not be good. Yeah. You know, like but, one one of the guys I had down here uh was uh, Julian Julian Cope. I had Julian Cope down for a while because apparently there's loads of fucking mad stories. But I went looking into it. The story to be honest with you, they weren't there was some good ones. Some of them are just sad, and you go, "There's yeah. not that we talk about that much." Like I had, I had Michael Jackson and Schneider kind of down there, but we've just ploughed over yeah. those fields too much yeah, now. Exactly. And, and also, everyone like sort of knows a lot. of Everybody stuff. knows most most of most of that stuff. Like Julian Cope apparently had put out over four hundred records. Fucking hell, that's more than Buckethead. Like four hundred, something like four hundred and ninety-four, or something mad like that. Now some of them are only five minutes long. Yeah, some of them are ten minutes long. But uh, if you want the Spotify, just, just fuck all of them there. But uh, I, I think a lot of them are just self-released, where you just bang yeah. them onto a cassette or whatever. Yeah. Um, so Kanye, the, the, there's a long and storied 
kind of past history with Kanye. Um, we've talked about it before multiple times about the kind of production end of it, but uh, he he kind of rose that rose into everybody's mind. Um, around 2009 at the MTV Video Awards. That's when everybody knew who Kanye was. And torn against him. And torn against and him. And sort of rightly so at the time, but we didn't realise that he had that many. We thought it was ego. Yeah. And it is a bit, but... Oh, there's definitely... I think his entire thing is fueled by ego. I think his ego is probably all that stops him from doing something fucking mad. Yeah. From being a skill shooter or something. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, um, so it's September 2009 at the MTV Video Awards, uh, Taylor Swift is doing her acceptance speech for winning Best Female Artist or whatever it is. And Kanye just jumps up, grabs the microphone, and uh, starts saying that fucking Beyonce was more deserving of it. I am... Um, not necessarily fuck Taylor Swift, but not far off it. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it turns into a whole big debacle, and fucking Kanye has to go on an apology even, tour. Even Barack Obama called him a jackass. Yeah, it's just, there's just no need for it. Now, to be fair, Old Dirty Bastard done it a couple of years beforehand as well. <laughs> um, who was, will certainly, when we do a volume two of this, I fought. You might have to put like, use up three of your... Once for just for him alone. Just for ODB. Like, he, the first person I know of to jump up and fuck with the MTV Music Awards was yeah. ODB when he got up and uh, gave the Wu Tangers for the children's speech, which is brilliant. <laughs> um, fuck Puffy, because Puffy had won the best album award. Yeah. See, Puffy's fine and all, but fuck Puffy compared to Wu Tang. <laughs> Wu Tang's for the children. <laughs> Thanks for um, the children. <laughs> and, uh, so he does that. Uh, 2011, he launches uh, a women's fashion line at Paris Fashion Week. And this is when everybody starts going, what the fuck is going on with this lad? It's also when his accountant sort of went to Kanye now. Yeah. This is where some people lose their entire fortune. Yeah. fashion. Because he put so much money into it that you might not get it back out. He, uh, it's around this time as well that he starts having a fight with Nike. But Nike or Nike, depending on where you're from. Oh, I was saying Nike because I'm a horrible scumbag. I said Nike as well. Nike um, sounds weird. Nike sounds weird, but it's definitely Nike. But I'm calling it Nike. No care. Mm. Um, he gets in a row between uh, Nike and Adidas about the future of his kind of shoes because the, ridicu- Nike, the ridiculously horrible runners. Yeah, apps just slippers with soles on them. Like, oh god, um, socks with soles. So he gets into a row with I think Nike. Nike. He had a deal with Nike, and they were they kind of wanted him to be the face of it more so to be involved in it. So he ditched them, moved to Adidas, I think. And Just Adidas stopped, actually never stopped moaning about that phrase. Yeah. Like, people didn't care. Yeah. He was going on radio shows that wants to talk about his music, talk about his runners, and they were like, mate, you're making millions. Of, we don't care. Yeah. We made your next album out, you know, who yeah. you're working on, who you're working with. In fact, that's one. when your man Charlemagne the God called him out, and it yeah. got really big when he yeah. called him out. Yeah. Sometimes you need, you see that ego, and you need to take it down a peg or two. For their sake. Exactly. Just, well, if you're called onto a radio show to uh, promote a tour, or an album, or a, you know, a production credit on something, whatever it is, like, Give that topic 99% of your fucking... You're there to sell the thing. You wouldn't have done it if you weren't going to sell it. Yeah. So don't be worrying about your fucking runners and all. Because yeah. if everything else goes well, your runners and your stupid big long jumpers and t-shirts that he sells, they'll they'll move as well. Yeah, but if I were Kanye when he's talking about this stuff, he's he is an intelligent guy, but he's not really that intelligent when it comes to talking about... He can't get his emo- yeah. emotions out. He can't talk properly. Yeah. Like I just did there. So he's me. I'm, I'm a genius. <laughs> Uh, he makes no sense and he contradicts himself all the time. Yeah, he thinks he's being really profound and he's diction's not. not super. Like, it's, it's, it, he doesn't have... like he, For a guy who has access to a vast like 
vocabulary doesn't use it in interviews too well. He gets, like I said, he seems to get flustered yeah. and frustrated. And he and branches off and he gets lost. <coughs> and he goes off in a mad one and just starts shouting. And the Letterman interview he did, remember that David Letterman came back on Netflix with mm. his own show? Mm. Kanye was one of his first people. That's right. And about 10 minutes into it, Kanye decided to stop looking at David Letterman and turn to the crowd and just speak to them for the yeah. entirety of the rest of the interview, yeah. which was mad weird. Bat shit, man. So he ends up, he, he gets into a row with uh, Wiz Khalifa. Um, because... <laughs> They just get into this Twitter war, and so lame when rappers do that. They used to shoot each other. Yeah, and they used to like put diss tracks out. Yeah, you know diss I mean? tracks and like, shoot each other. And now they like now that's slowly. obviously better that they don't shoot each other. Oh yeah, absolutely. Diss tracks. Yeah, but you'll see now like there's not diss tracks are becoming a, more of a internet, like, more of a meme thing than anything else. You'll see guys or more up, of a way to revive your career. If you, yeah, if like, you can get Eminem to slag you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's not coming back on anybody now. He put a new album out today, and I listened to it. There's, I couldn't hear a fucking blip. There's a couple of Machine Gun Kelly, Machine Gun Kelly. That's because it's not profitable for both of them. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, so <laughs> he, he gets in, he gets into a row with Wiz because Wiz has a kid with a woman that Kanye used to go out with. So Kanye starts claiming that his child is Kanye's. He's like, oh, you own your child? Like, because I went there with her before you. That's shit, you think? Yeah, yeah. and they kind of went back and forth for ages until they figured it out. He was absolutely adamant that Bill Crosby was innocent. Like, went on the line. Like, head on the chopping block. Bill Crosby is innocent. Like, roaring and screaming about it. Um, when he started saying that he was broke, that he was bankrupt. Yeah. He started, he started, that's, this is when, like, shit proper started hitting the fan. That, yeah, he, he was in a really bad place then. And yeah. he was twi- remember we got on Twitter going, uh, Mark Zuckerberg hit yeah. me up, I've got some ideas. Yeah, he, 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 no. <laughs> apparently he used to write letters to Mark Zuckerberg to invest in him one billion dollars, just in Kanye, not just in a particular in, just idea. In the, just in, yeah. Just give me and a billion he, he dollars. Going, I'm mad, I've got crazy ideas and some of them are hovercrafts and all. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, he's, he, he was mailing Mark Zuckerberg looking for a million dollars. Uh, 2016, he goes full on, all in on Trump. Full That's, on. That was disappointing. Full on. Now. He lost a lot of respect from his fans with that. Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't really understand American politics too much. I get a bit of it. Um, but I, like, I know a baddie from a film when I see one. Um, Kanye should as well. Uh, I don't know whether there's any goodies in that fucking, in that race, but uh, one of them wasn't fucking Trump. He went full on, uh, wearing the Make America Great hats again, fucking going to the White House, having meetings, um, after Trump was elected. Like, stayed his boy for ages. He did. Ages. He was obviously getting money. Yeah. Think um, about how much sense that would make for. Maybe. I mean, rappers have been rapping about Trump and Trump Towers. For 30 fucking he, years or more. He did. Yeah. Kanye has loads of <coughs> lyrics about. Yeah. Yeah. So now he gets to kind of hang out with him and he's the fucking president. I suppose it kind of makes sense in a weird fucking fantasy world way. Uh, 2018, he holds the cast of SNL hostage. Oh, heard about um, that. Now, it didn't, it wasn't broadcast. Uh, he, I think, performed twice on the, on the show, maybe three times, done a couple of songs. Um, I think, he, I don't know whether he cut a song short. Or he kept talking after he finished the last song, which is meant to go into the credits. Mm. And he just went off on a fucking mad one about Trump and politics and slavery and all sorts of shit. Well, he didn't like Trump anymore, did he not? I can't remember. This yeah. is 2018. I, 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 think, yeah. I think this would have been more the uh, slavery didn't exist stage of his life. Oh, dear. Yeah, I think this is more the slavery didn't exist <clears throat> stage of Kanye's life. And uh, they had to just cut the program while he was still talking. He's surrounded by too many yes men. And that... Like, this is a common, I don't know much about the Kardashians, but they just seem like lecherous 
probably I don't know I don't yeah, know yeah. Um, Adam Driver yes. who was uh, he was the host of SNL that night or he was one of the head guys anyway uh, Kylo Ren he took out his phone and recorded it and he, I think he put it on the internet put the, put the whole thing on the internet afterwards I like him I don't know if, I don't know if I like that uh, I think he just wanted people to see okay. no, what he's the right, fuck was yeah. going on. Yeah, he's, like. he's probably right, actually. Also, um, I just I love Adam Driver. Yeah, but apparently the whole deal was like it was just the most awkward experience in anybody's fucking life. Um, 2019, as we know, he dropped a new album. He's gone full God mode. He's gone full circle. No, now. but before that, didn't he? He came out and said, "Right, I have been officially diagnosed as bipolar." Now. Yeah, yeah, he came out. He put that album out, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. With the what's what's written in the front of it again? Uh, I oh, hate yeah. being bipolar. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, um, which it's is alright. Funny. It has some bangers on it. Yeah. Um, loads of dirt in it as well, though. So that's yeah. wishy-washy shy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he, he did come out saying he's suffering from mental illness. and, and uh, I mean... It hasn't really gotten better. No, it hasn't. But because now, once you go to... I, I've, most of the people in here end up with Jesus at the end. Just yeah, but that's, just like the dark, that's rock bottom. That's rock bottom, isn't it's rock it? bottom. That's where AA is based. Like, AA is yeah. based on hand and everything. Obviously, we're higher power and, you know, so, following these and rules. And he's the first rap, one of the first rappers to start talking about, like, Doing antidepressants and Lexapro yeah. and all that. He probably started that sad rapper movement. Could might, might well the sad boys. Sad boys. Um, so yeah, he's gone full full Jesus now. He won't let anybody uh, swear around him. He doesn't swear in his records. He, he all of his uh, everybody who walks from is not allowed to have like premarital sex. Does that uh, mean he'll never tour while he's in this mode? I don't know. I don't know. He has to cut all of his lyrics out. He's done more than likely. Or he'll just replace them, I'm not entirely sure. Or just do all his new stuff. But what he seems to be doing now is he's doing more kind of charity drives and like feed the homeless uh, things, which is yeah, all good. It starts, it's looking a bit like a cult as well, though. Yeah, it's looking a bit cultish where everybody has to wear a particular white kind of linen. And it, it, yeah. Here's here's what I think. I still think, thinks he's God. I think right now he is at the height of his batshit. But he's also, he he's the sacrificial fucking cow. So everybody surrounded by Kanye is making money off Kanye. Yeah. Kanye's making money as well, but everybody around them. Like that that Jesus album is it's not bad. That Follow God song is very good. Yeah. There's some fucking there's some stuff well, in there. When I'm listening to it, I'm like, I can't listen to any album with a th- no. with a theme. Anyway. No. If someone was talking about spaceships for the whole album, I'd yeah. be like, ugh. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah. It has to yeah, yeah. there has to be more to it. Um but and I, I think, fucking hate talking about I'm not gonna lie, I hate I'm, I hate talk, people talking about God. Yeah, no, it's torture. But I think he might be the one they just wanna they're gonna ride him into the door. They've, they've always wanted to write. Yeah, but he, he, the fact that he hasn't just completely snapped, like he's being locked away. Um, he, he went in 2016. Yeah, he, he went missing for a while. Um, came out with the, he had the bleached blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. In 2016, he went to the uh, psychiatric care for a while. And then he came out and then he goes on SNL, whatever, a year later, a fucking Does year and a half later and goes fucking batshit again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that his, his label, his producers, his family, his everything are just like, just stay behind them. Let him say the mad stuff. The money's still going to come in and we'll mm. take the money. And then eventually he's going to get so mad that we have to lock him up and we can live off the money that we've made off him before. And then hopefully we can get him well and we'll get, do the savage fucking reunion tour. We'll get a ball our world tour yeah. out and a new album. He's going to have loads of stuff to talk about. And he can get like two lives out of Kanye. Yeah. So they just need to grind him down into the door till he snaps. And he doesn't even have to write any more music at that stage. Just to go out and do the old stuff. Yeah. He, his back catalogue is fucking amazing. It is fantastic. So he can do a world tour two hours a night no fucking problem yeah. you know what I mean and every fucker on earth like people who couldn't abandon him during Trump and abandon him while he was mentally ill if he goes back saying listen I sorted everything out now like 
all of them are going to come back. I liked it when his madness was confined to his music. Yeah, because it worked. Because it works. Yeah. But then you're talking about closing lines that, that bankrupted him nearly. Yeah. And, uh, I bu- I bought and mind. anything else. Like, I'm running, running for president. Yeah. I'm probably talking about, talking about that as well. Stuff. But you remember the fucking clothes? Just t shirts that went down to your knees now. Awful t shirts. Like garbage. And they're all like stuff. dirt colour. Like you yeah. just get an old t shirt. But and he, did, it in he dirt. Did, did sell them. Yeah. Of course he I did. Just, like those Yeezys runners, like they're worth a fucking fortune. I don't particularly like them. But no. they're worth a bomb if you can get them. Right, here's your next one. My next one <coughs> is Wesley Willis. Okay. The song is Rock and Roll McDonald's. From I couldn't really tell when this was recorded. Somewhere between ninety four and ninety nine, mm-hmm. I would I would put this on. Uh, Wesley Willis is Chicago. Uh, he's from Chicago. He's a singer songwriter. He's about six and a half foot, giant, black dude that looks like he'd murder you. But as soon as he starts talking, you're like this dude's like a lovely mm. heart of gold guy. Mm. But it's clear he's got a lot of problems, a lot of problems. So this is a weird one. His mental illness. I don't know when when it started because. He had just one of the worst childhoods and the worst lives up until the point where he met sort of the right people. He did run into the right people, thankfully. Eventually. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> he's sort of known. I, I started listening to him when um, LimeWire came out in the late 90s. Mm. Was that our early 2000s? LimeWire, we were getting the internet. Early 2000s. That's when yeah. I found his stuff. Napster would have been late, late 90s. Then you would have had yeah. SoulSeek and LimeWire. And, and it's funny because I was playing all these songs on Winamp. Mm. And the uh, Winamp motto, it really whips the llama's ass. Yeah, it really That's from whips one of the his llama's song. ass. That's one from one of his songs. Oh, is it? Yeah. So all of his songs are sort of the same. Okay. So he pressed the demo key on, his demo mode on his keyboard, mm. where if you hold down a key, it'll play the song, mm. and then you change the note, and you go up. So he does that with three different notes per song, but it's the same backing track, the really? same beat every time. Mad. And, and every single one of his songs has the exact same format vocally, but he just changes the subject matter something else so the song I picked is Rock and Roll McDonald's because to me it's one of the first songs I heard by him and I just didn't know I started laughing and I thought he was a comedian mm. and it turns out it's not he's dead serious about this kind of stuff and he had huge problems with schizophrenia and, and just the wrong medication throughout his whole life but um, I sort of started to get a bit more respect for, for I started to get, started to get more respect when I found out that it wasn't a joke anymore and someone was actually carving out a career through this stuff. Yeah. I remember Henry Rollins and Jello Biafra were massive fans of him. Mm-hmm. They were always talking about him. And like, I think he was, you'd see stuff like pictures of him with Dave Grohl and stuff like that. Your buddy, Dave Grohl. What, what I hedge was saying. <laughs> <laughs> what I <hedge> was <laughs> um, It's mad, right? So we'll, we'll talk a bit about his, his life because it was, ah, oh, Jesus, I didn't realise it was this bad. But uh, as a kid, he was um, in a household that was split up because of extreme domestic violence. That that would literally be lighting the whole lot of them up. Man, everything just just walk in, start throwing digs. Daily haymakers for breakfast, and that's just fucking. Despair. What's your name? What womp? Just horrible, yeah. So he got he got a the family split up, and he got sent to live with his uncle uh, for ten years in Bel Air until his uncle was arrested for molesting the children. Fucking hell! Lads. So you, you would surmise that maybe that could have possibly happened to Wesley as well. Um, he spent two years in a foster home, and he moved back in with the dad. Um, I don't think the dad started, I think he was probably too big to get I was going to say about that stage I'd say Wesley Wills was big enough to look after himself yeah, so hit him back. but what you would do is he wouldn't spend any time he'd only sleep in the dad's yeah. and during the day um, he would draw he'd go okay. to an art shop or somewhere yeah. in a park or something and draw he was actually a really good artist Some of the, all the artwork the artwork you'll see on the Spotify thing is his mm. um, 
the real nightmare for him kind of started when he moved back in with his ma because the the um, she had a sadistic boyfriend. I was about to say that. I bet you Always the ma has a new fella who's a scumbag. Yeah, 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 even worse. Yeah, of course. Because uh, yeah. he used to absolutely batter the kids and he hated our kids mm. and he used to line them all up and sit them all down and make them all watch the parents having sex. Ooh! What? Yeah. And Mammy went along with this. Of course she did. So fuck Mammy as well. Yeah, fuck her. Um, he, he, like I said, he kept drawing all day, every day like this and he started to actually sell his drawings because okay. if you look at them, they're actually, the perspective on them is brilliant. Like mm. he gets that whole like open to the distance, he draws lots of, he just drew Chicago, mm. Chicago cityscapes because he'd be on a park bench looking at it going, yeah. he's going to draw that. Um, he saved up a hundred dollars by selling the drawings and one night, uh, the stepdad or the mother's boyfriend, or whatever Roger Lee Carpenter came in and held the gun to Wesley Willis's head and said, "Give me that hundred quid." Mm. Took the hundred quid and legged it, and Fuck. that was around that time is when he started hearing voices. Because that's probably he probably had enough. His brain probably yeah. was. There's no drugs involved let's, in this story at yeah, all. Yeah, the brain just went. Let's escape. Like let's escape. Yeah. You, you, whatever about drugs, I'm sure getting away, getting out of your, getting out of reality involves getting out of your own brain sometimes, yeah. and then finding your way back into it. It's probably going to be a problem. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia in 1989. Um, this is where the story starts getting a little bit better, but still has a few snags. He started going to this art shop called Zenith, I think it was, and they would let him stay there. They loved him. They mm. loved his character. Mm. They knew he was yeah. troubled, whatever yeah. like that, but they'd let him stay there drawing pictures all day. And um, he'd sell. He, they, they'd allow him to sell. People in walk shop. up and go, oh, what's that? They let him to sell, sell this up in the shop. Very cool. Uh, in 1991, though, he was coming home off, on, um, it, uh, off a bus and someone with a box cutter ran up and just had to go at his face. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. That is my nightmare. One of my nightmares. Acid <coughs> or Stanley Blade? Fuck, yeah. That's one of the things that haunts me as well. Yeah. So the, it's not, it wasn't, it was bad, but it was down one side of his face from his eye. Yeah. Eyelid down to his neck or something fucking like that. hell. And uh, he, that's why he decided... With the, he started a band with the people that worked in the music shop with him mm. called Wesley Willis and the Fiasco and his first song was about being sliced open yeah. um, the problem was he was still living with he was living with this other guy who was a bit of a weirdo and he'd be dragging Wesley Willis to sex shows and Ugh. stuff like that now because Wesley Willis had been dragged to sex shows yeah. all his fucking life yeah, in his own gaff he was like I hate this I'm not into this yeah. whatever so the girl in the art shop took him in Um. The medication would kind of work sometimes for him. He, they said that it worked sometimes, but when he went on a bus, yeah. he couldn't. It d- didn't work at all. The voices yeah. started shouting at him, yeah. and he'd start screaming back at the voices till he got kicked off the bus. Fucking hell. So this was a real problem when he got, uh, Wesley Willis and the fiasco got uh, a call. They wanted to play in San, get them to play in San Diego. We're meant to be funny, by the way. This is meant to be a funny podcast. Well, this is the this is the harshest story of them all. <laughs> Possibly one of the harshest stories of them all. But it has to be done. This is big lurch level this fucking is, grimness. Yeah. So um, he he could never get on buses. He'd always have to walk basically the rest of the I feel his pain, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I so sometimes I scream at the I hear voices when I'm on a fucking bus yeah. as well. Like, So what happened was um, he had to get on a plane to fly to San Diego. And his mates were like, this, this may not kick him off the plane. Yeah, yeah. This could go really, really wrong. Apparently, absolutely loved the plane. Really? All the people on the plane were his buddies, mates and all that. The pilot let him up into the cockpit yeah. and he had the time of his absolute life. Hmm. So thank fuck for that. He wrote 15 albums before signing with Rick Rubin's America label. Fuck. <laughs> Rick Rubin's America label. Uh, he has a permanent bruise. He had a permanent bruise because, we'll talk about that in a minute, yeah. on the top of his head. 
for when he would, uh, instead of ha- shaking hands with uh, his audience, yeah. they'd bump his head, like yeah. a little head bump, sometimes yeah. pretty hard or whatever like yeah. that. You see it in some of the videos, but he'd greet everyone all day, every day, like a whole, like 10 people went yeah. and bump him on the head. Constant bruise like that, yeah. And a scar down his fucking face. Um, a lot of people think that he was exploited um, by record labels who mm. were selling his music, but to be honest with you, he went on Harris there and he was talking about because if you didn't do that, yeah. The demons would get him. Yeah, yeah. That so, kept them going, kept so, busy. Yeah. And he did make money and people gave him his money. So um Is he still around? No, he died in two thousand three right. of complications due to cancer. Ugh. Um he al- always actually do you know what? Can I play some of the stuff? Yeah, go on. I wanna do this right. I wonder can you guess the bands he's talking about? He most of his songs were about bands he saw. Okay. So um This is this is when I found out about him. Because I typed in stabbing westward mm. to uh, Limewire or one of, them. one of them fucking. Yeah, Salt Sea, fucking whatever. And uh, <laughs> it came up stabbing westward, Wes- Wesley Willis. And I was like, do they have a song called Wesley Willis? Like, yeah. no, he has a song about them. Okay. And they all start the exact same. So I'm going to see if you can guess who he's talking about. All songs start like this. Okay. Ready? Just Fugazi. That's the song. That's, that's all of the songs. Every single one of them will go in that order. Yeah. And he finishes with Rock Over London, Rock On Chicago. Uh, see if you can guess who... The, you'll, you'll never guess who we went to see. They all... Uh, Ball thrower. He has wow. He has a whole album dedicated to the bands he went to see. Yeah, Morbid Angel, uh, KM, KMFDM, Liz Fair, Jefferson Airplane. They're always they're all quite um. They're all, all most of the songs are upbeat and celebrating yeah. stuff. Except he fucking hates Batman. He hates Batman. He hates him. Said that one. Said that one day he's convinced he battered Batman. Okay, like, bet him around. All right. So yeah. Wow. Um, listen, check out Wesley Willis. <laughs> Uh, fucking well, rock over London, rock on Chicago. Who's your next one? Oh, hang on, I'm still dealing with that hates Batman thing. Just the had to yawn so that. much more about Wesley. Yeah, Wesley. We're, to, we're stuck for a time. I had to yawn that Batman out me. Yeah, uh, Santana. Is he uh, fucking mad? Yeah, I never knew much about Santana. I didn't, I didn't know he was. No, I didn't know he was. I didn't know he was mad. mental. Now I don't. I don't know whether it's like mental illness, mental or just. Straight eccentric, mental. yeah. I don't because we actually start. Remember, we started this podcast as just eccentric people, yeah. And then yeah. it became apparent that there was reasons that most of the people were eccentric, and we went, "Okay, we have to be serious yeah. about this." Um, so th- this song's called "Soul Sacrifice." That was the first album. Uh, Did he have his face cut with a box cutter? Uh, no, no. I don't think. He's, he's, Are we, we back to a happy story? He's, he's an ugly bastard, so uh, I don't <laughs> think he might even prove them. Uh, Santana, how do you even like? 
I'll be honest with you, I hadn't a fuck clue who Santana was until that Rob Thomas song, right? It's just Did you wasn't, not know Black Magic Woman? I probably heard it, but I didn't know yeah, it was yeah, him, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like uh, our parents wouldn't talk about Santana. No, really. no. Fancy parents, maybe. I, I don't know. Oh, I love a bit of Santana it, now with yeah. a glass of Prosecco. I don't, even, I don't even know what type of fucking music it is. When right? did Prosecco come out, like 10 years ago? Like, brand new. That it's blue, brand new. That and blueberries. Yeah, it's brand new. Blueberries in Prosecco. <laughs> exactly, that's a thing. Asking for that at the bar. Yeah. Imagine, go on. Fucking hell. Um... So he sold over 100 million albums and won over 10 Grammys, right? So, like, it's... he He's fucking huge. Yeah. I didn't know he was fucking huge. I, I didn't know he was that big. But first of, of all, if you've heard of him slightly and it's a Latino name, he's yeah. already a minted. Yeah. So, because... Like, okay, you, you, so, you can live solely in that. In oh, that, yeah, yeah, 100%. So, first of all, his... His little, like... <laughs> his special type of madness, uh, he calls divine mischief. Right. Right. So, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, uh, it's 1994. Right. He's, I, I think he was probably into like mescaline and acid and weed, the usual shit that everybody yeah. was into, right? Um, I don't know how mad he went on it. I, I couldn't tell you, but I can tell you that in 1994, uh, <laughs> we're allowed to laugh at this one because it's not real mental illness. He's just eccentric. <laughs> We're allowed to laugh at this one. Am I right? <laughs> when I, yeah, when I read, when I fucking read this one. Oh my God. So in 1994, he, uh, I think he calls like a press conference and, uh, he tells everybody that, uh, he's not Carlos Santana anymore. Uh, that he's not bound to DNA anymore. And that he's, that his uh, body would fall apart. <laughs> that he's, he'd disintegrate. He's been taken over by, by an archangel called Metatron. <laughs> <laughs> So. Okay, hang on a second. <laughs> now we are just laughing at mental illness. That no. doesn't sound right. Right, right. No, it gets better. <coughs> so, he's been taken over by an archangel called Metatron, who heals people via spiritual radio. All right? So, spiritual radio? <laughs> spiritual, Speaking of spiritual radio, shout out to Neil Pert, who died. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Metatron tells him uh, he has to command everybody's molecules. And... Uh, <laughs> he has to command everybody's molecules via radio waves so the kids could finally hear good music. So uh, Metatron takes him over and uh, tells him to get in contact with all the biggest names in music to put together a super album. Oh my so, God, is this the Yeah, this is, this is supernatural. Oh, this, is, this is recent. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. that's not recent. That's like years ago. It's, it's actually his, like, it's like the layer in his career. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus. So he uh, Metatron works through him. Um, and they create uh, Supernatural with all these pop stars, you know, so Lauren Hill, Rob Thomas, CeeLo Green, Everlast, Eric Clapton, fucking, the album sells 30 million copies. But uh, Metatron was right. Metatron. So Metatron's whole thing is that Metatron exists in uh, molecular radio. So this is Santana just pulling his show out of his hole, right? He's just literally gluing words together and, and to see if it sounds good. So it's like a molecular radio um, that commands the DNA of the listeners. Uh, controlled by Metatron, who was me, how but he is in everybody. didn't work on us because it's score? Because it's fucking noise. I know, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. Listen, I, I, there's loads more little silly stories about Santana uh, just being Santana. Uh, but I don't, I just want to leave. I just want, I want that Metatron underlined with an exclamation at the end of it. And I'm going to leave it at that. Jesus. But just when, when I was reading about commanding people via molecular spiritual radio and him not being bound to DNA anymore because he is, he's like held together via radio waves 
Um, so his body, his body is in the shape of Metatron, but he has no blood or organs or anything like that or DNA. He is literally a living embodiment of radio waves. Um, therefore, he's going to put out this album that uh, brings all the kids back to real guitar music. You know what, though, right? You can't, you can't hold that against him because whatever happened, it worked. So therefore, he might be right. Maybe it was. He's put out a lot of albums after that, and they're all fucking shy as well. So he needs to get back in contact anybody, with Megatron. Well, apparently he still has Metatron inside him. Like, no, he's gone to Kanye West. I'm probably Metatron took He moves around. <laughs> yeah. Right. Anyway, who's you your only next get one, one album when you make it one. good. Yeah. Radiohead had OK Computer with yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Metatron took away. <laughs> 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 and when do I get to go with him? <laughs> Send Metatron my baby. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Who's your next one? My next one is Daniel Johnston, who uh, also died recently, uh, just before just before the end of the last year. Um, the song is True Love Will Find You in the End. Mm. It's a, it's an obvious choice for Daniel Johnston, but it is his famous, most famous song for a reason. I absolutely, one of my favourite songs of all time, from the album 1990, uh, from the year 1990 mm. as well. Um, True Love Will Find You in the End is just one of the most beautiful, simple love songs that'll, that's ever been written. Just, you'll never get it more simple and sort of, it's it's equally sad mm. and happy. It's just it's probably the most perfect love song. It is. Um so he was born in California and he grew up in an extremely religious household. It was a happy it was a happy enough life. You can tell you can tell by looking at mm. the documentaries. There's a few documentaries I've watched on him over the years that it's not nothing like Wesley Willis now. Yeah. Getting like all that crack. Yeah. But um he did have his mother kind of shouting at him an awful lot. He used to tape every conversation that he'd have with his mother like that. And like, it's full of tapes with him arguing with people Mad. and making stuff. Like Wesley Willis, actually, he was a really, really good artist. Mm. So it came out like that. Um, but his mother taught, mother got him into piano lessons and that's when he started playing the organ, which is mm. most of, most of Daniel Johnson's songs that you'll know from the early years will be done on organ until he picked up guitar mm. later on. But, uh, he moved out of the family home when he just kept fighting with the man. Moved in with his sister. Um, his sister came home one day and he was gone. Couldn't find him anywhere. And he had bought a moped and ran away with the carnival. <laughs> yep. <laughs> ran away with the carnival. I used to tell me mom was going to do that. Well, but he actually did it. I didn't know what weird the carnival was. Though, yeah. To go so, there. so the carnival ended up in Austin, Texas anyway. And uh, he was he had his little tape recorder where he was still writing the songs and stuff. Like that. He used to write songs at home as well, so he was still doing that. Uh, people started asking for his tapes going shit this is this is fucking yeah. I don't know what it is about this music I really really like it and uh, he was begging bands to put him on as support acts mm. and they were just going yeah, yeah okay man jump on whatever and there was people actually really really responding to this music and mm. um, people would come up to him and go can I get a copy of the album and at the time he didn't have a way of duplicating it so he just recorded the whole album again <laughs> every time and yeah. drew the artwork again yeah I handed up like a new, brand new unique recording yeah. of it so it could have been like a bit croakier than like the last one he gave mm. out to someone that's fucking mental mm. then he found means of, of duplicating them obviously like that um, record labels would be trying to get in contact with him because he started to get like really well known around Austin but they'd have nowhere to call so they'd have to call him in his job he worked in McDonald's for years yeah. uh, but it was in McDonald's was where he actually started to form manic depressive behaviour which I probably would as well. Yeah, probably. To be perfectly honest with you. Um, so, I don't think anything happened regarding record labels until MTV came to Austin, Texas. And he uh, he kind of jumped in in this barbecue they were hosting. My yeah. friend Daniel Johnson, here's my tape. And that's the the tape he had was the album uh, 
Hi, How Are You? Which mm. is the famous Cork Cobain t-shirt yeah. with the little frog yeah. on the front of it. That's the album cover of that. Yeah. So... The timelines are all over the place a little mm. bit here with, with, with this, because I find it very hard to... It's hard to lock them down sometimes, because yeah. you're reading stories, and you're doing research, and they're, they're and all... They're, and they're going back over certain yeah. parts, and, and yeah. as well as that, people move around a lot. Yeah. So he's in Texas, he's in California. Like, um, he had a manager called Randy Kemper uh, for a while, but uh, Randy Kemper left when uh, Daniel Johnson put him in hospital for beating him over the head with a lead pipe, because he well. thought he had the devil in him. <laughs> That's fucking crazy when you get, when that's why, when someone, like if someone with schizophrenia thinks that you are the devil, you need to get the fuck away. Yeah, yeah. Because they are thinking they are going to help the world by killing you. Oh yeah, exactly. They're doing well. They're doing well. Like, yeah. That's, that's terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. There's no reasoning with it. Because I just think this is the devil trying to talk to me, trying to get me to stop killing them. <laughs> uh, that's fucking nuts. He spent a whole year in bed with depression on a uh, heavy duty antipsychotic. A whole stuff. year? Yeah, a whole year in his parents' house. Uh, on something called Haldol, which just makes basically makes you a dribbling mess. Fucking hell. Um, which he they probably think is helping him. Yeah. He spent time in a homeless shelter and he was arrested for drawing Christian fish on symbols on the bottom of the st- base of the Statue of Liberty. Like <gasps> hundreds of them. So the cops, there's, there's tapes of recording of the cops going, what were you doing? Jesus. He goes, I don't know. So we had to pay some. Just was. We had to pay a few grand, I think, to get out of that one. Fucking hell. Um, he had, he got off the bus one time and, uh, in Austin, Texas, and he started just shouting at random people, saying that they had the devil in them. And some woman opened her window and went, will you shut the fuck up? So we just ran up at her, into our gaff. Yeah. And she got so afraid that she jumped out of the window and broke two of her legs. Oh. That's when they went, right, he's an yeah, absolute danger, a danger to people, to people now. People, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we ended up in hospital. That's where it starts getting serious. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> he, uh, he was still adamant that she had the devil in her and he was trying to get it out. But the devil took over first and pushed her out in front of him. Really? Yeah, okay. Um, he was, he, this is around the time he had a manager called Jeff Tardikoff, who was genuinely a fucking nice guy. Mm. Ross, he was, every time, no matter whether Daniel was in bed for a year or in hospital, this guy was still pimping his stuff out to all the record labels and doing loads of work and getting them in contact mm. and sending his tapes to Sonic Youth and stuff like that. That's mm. why he has such a huge kind of following Daniel Johnson in the grunge community mm. because he was put in contact with all them. So the manager was really, really doing his best and that come into it again later for an absolutely mental story that's about to come up. I shouldn't be using terms like mental in this one, but fuck it. It's okay. Um, I forgive you. He started ringing the manager every day going, I have ideas I want to do. I want to get the Beatles back together and I want to have them as my backing band. <laughs> Like <laughs> he wanted to become the spokesperson for Mountain Dew. What? He wanted it so badly. Um, <clears throat> he just really liked Mountain Dew. Yeah. He was playing a gig and his father uh, flew him there. Flew him to the gig. His father flew uh, biplanes, two-seater planes or whatever oh, like that. Right. Um, and uh, the gig went really well. But on the way home, uh, Daniel Johnson was in the back reading a, 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 magazine, a comic Casper the Friendly Ghost, which was one of his favourite ones. Okay. And on the cover... Casper was flying down on a parachute. So he went, I want to do that now, immediately. You shouldn't be laughing at this. It's terrible. He's in the... You should be afraid because you're afraid of planes. All right, not into this. So he goes to his dad, hear that, I want to be Casper and he turns the engine off in mid-flight. Oh my fucking God. Pulls the keys out, throws them out the window. Fucked right off. Grabs the wheel and starts pushing it down towards the ground. And his dad was like, we're going to die. And he goes, we can't die. And he goes, we absolutely can. So he, man- he said that his, 
that Daniel Johnson was so fucking strong. Like, yeah. so ridiculously fucking strong. But he managed to get it off him. And because his dad was trying to have to crash land, yeah. he crash landed in um, a load of trees yeah. and miraculously both of them survived. Yeah. He said that the dad, like, was what the, the interview, or the documentary is very tough when his dad's talking about this, his dad instantly just breaks down. Yeah. And you see an old man crying. Yeah, yeah. And that shit gets me every time. Yeah, it really yeah, does, yeah. yeah. So. He has a song called Casper the Friendly Ghost, actually, as does Wesley Willis, so there's something in there with Casper. Yeah. Except Wesley Willis' one is called Casper the Friendly Homosexual Ghost. Okay. Whereas Daniel Johnson's version is just called Casper the Friendly Ghost. It's actually a good little song. So, all this time, the manager, Jeff Tardikoff, is trying to push for a record deal. It turns into a bidding war. Okay. And Electra Records yeah. ring him and go, Roy, we want to sign him. So he goes back and goes, I did it. All this work I've been doing for yeah. years ago. He goes, uh, Electra. So Daniel Johnson has a little bit of a look at Electra and goes, no, that band Metallica will kill me. <laughs> They're Satanists and they'll kill me. And you know, the manager was like, Daniel, um, this is the biggest you're ever going to get offered. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. They want to put your music out and go worldwide. Yeah. He goes, no, Metallica uh, will kill me, so I don't want him to do Fuck. that. So after years of cocktails, of really bad cocktails of drugs, that he, won, he finally found a drug called Topamax that clicked with him and just absolutely settled him down. And he began to just play live shows and put out other albums. Some of the albums weren't as big as his other ones, but I think, I wonder in a lot of these cases, if you take some of the madness out of the music, does it become a little bit more, like if you're more sedated and chilled out, it's not the same. You, maybe you need some of that initial madness. Yeah. I don't know. But... um. He retired in 2017 from playing live. Yeah. It was too much from, And then he died of a suspected heart attack last year. Oof. He was massively, massively influential yeah. to a lot of people. And his music is, listen to the songs, there's, there's a real innocence to them. Yeah. Without being patronising. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. they are good. Musically, they are good. Mm. Um, and if you want to know any more about that, it's a really, really good documentary, that um, Devil and Daniel Johnson. That was directed by Todd Phillips. Okay. Who did the Joker? Really? Yeah, that's crazy. Mm. Devil and Daniel Johnson is a really good documentary. I think it's from 2003. I could be wrong about that. Jesus, I don't know. Uh, check it out anyway. Who's your next one? Uh, my next one is Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, had definite, to be done. Definite trouble there. Uh, the song is Love and Mercy. Um, I'm actually going to write down Love and Mercy because I never fucking wrote it down. I sometimes forget what song I think. Yeah, We're not talking like, about the songs themselves. Yeah, it's exactly. Um uh, this is actually a nice little song. It's uh, if you go onto his own Spotify, I think this might be his top song above some Beach Boys stuff, which is weird. Good for him. So, um, the Beach Boys obviously have a long and storied past, but let's just talk about Wilson himself. Um, in '66, Beach Boys are getting ready to record "Smile," and. Uh, he decides, this is how I'm going to get ready um, for this recording session. So he gets a suitcase and he just lamps a load of like LSD, fucking amphetamines, hash, weed, whatever the fuck he can get his hands on. Fucks it all into this suitcase and off he goes to the, to the recording studio. Uh, within a couple of days, uh, he is telling the orchestra that they've hired to play in the album. He says, listen, I, it doesn't sound right, doesn't sound right. And they keep going through different things until he decides that... If the orchestra wear tiny little toy fireman hats, they'll sound better. So he makes the orchestra oh, wear man. fireman hats. And then all of a sudden it's like, that's amazing. Much better. That's perfect. Um, I wonder who did it though. 
I don't know. One of them, they looked around each other and they felt they felt so stupid that they, they were less guarded when they played their music. And it was Maybe. a bit more, it was a bit more, uh, you know. Well, he's, he was definitely a perfectionist, so he heard something in that performance with them wearing. Maybe the their performance hands. was a little bit more naked when they felt a bit. Yeah. Maybe it worked. Maybe. Um, he fucking wrote pet sounds. <laughs> exactly. So while uh, while he's at home, he has a sand pit installed in his living room as well, so he can sit and build sandcastles and play in the sand. Um, during the downtime from the He really recording. was a beach boy. He really, really fucking was. Um, it was around this time that he, uh, he starts hearing voices. Man, yeah. And everybody starts getting worried about him and he gets uh, committed to an institution um, for what they think might be suicidal behaviour. Um, he, st- he just starts acting up. And they're like, okay, Brian needs to go away here now for a while. Yeah. Um, when he is finally discharged, when he's discharged from the hospital... He goes home and he locks himself in his house and he just lives basically on antipsychotic drugs and steaks. That's all he does. Um, he smokes cigarettes, takes antipsychotic pills and eats steaks Damn, every single day. Worse lives, man. Yeah. That's his worst. But the reason he does it is because he's absolutely 100% convinced that Phil Spector was out to get him. He wouldn't leave the house in case Phil Spector Again, was outside. Probably a real know, thing. Man. Probably a real thing. He was happens. more mental. Yeah. Uh, Phil Spector is coming up now in a few minutes oh, and it's it's fucking wonderful um, fucking Phil Spector Jesus Christ anyway yeah, you know what I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah I'm not against him on yeah, that one I wouldn't um, I'd believe him there, there was a couple of occasions apparently this is a fucking brilliant one um, a couple of occasions from backstage at, uh, at gigs where uh, he'd uh, he'd see kids backstage and he'd go over and introduce himself he's like oh yeah I'm Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys and they turn around and say yeah we know that like, that's how far out he was. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, he didn't know his children. Um, he was completely, he was, he was that in the soup. And do you reckon that was triggered by the LSD? I, I, again, I think he might have suffered his entire life, but obviously the drugs. Was a yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the, the, whole, the, the whole group are kind of fucked, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. they, I think we've seen a common theme here of childhood trauma and LSD. Oh, are big pop, time. Are popping up a big lot. Big fucking time. Um, it just has... Uh, something big has to happen to you into your, in your formative years, and that's that trigger is there for the rest of your yeah. fucking life, you know? Um, so, Wilson's still kind of... Uh, up until recently, whenever he played gigs, I, I know a couple of people who play in his band, in his touring band yeah. and uh, yeah and all he does is eat ice cream that's literally it he plays a gig and uh, goes back to the hotel and just eats ice cream all night until he gets up and has to travel again so he's still again yeah he's still kind of locked in a little bit also I wouldn't mind eating ice cream when I'm on tour because exactly. some of the shit that I'd say you'd get yeah yeah um, but yeah he uh, Wilson just we, we could do an entire podcast on on Brian Wilson Maybe he's he's will. obviously a fucking genius. Yes. Without a shadow of a doubt. That's what I'm saying. Is we've, we've mentioned this before. <coughs> we do benefit from other people's... We absolutely do. But we won't call it madness. It's just... Whatever they have. Whatever is makes them different yeah. to the rest of the people and not think of things the same way we think of them. However, we get we get to appreciate it kind yeah, of externally. Of we don't have to deal with the, the person themselves and, and the fucking... The, the absolute horror that they're going to put people through as well like you know yeah. like imagine not knowing who your children are that's crazy and it must fucking, be very, hurt, very hurtful yeah they get it. it I'm sure they get it but I'm, yeah. I'm sure they understand that that's not 100% or whatever the fuck it is uh, but yeah Brian Wilson the song is uh, Love and Mercy I think it's half a second solo album I think um, it's a grand little song um, that movie about him was very good 
don't think I've seen that film. Uh, oh, the, the, the whole history of the Beach Boys and uh, the connection the, the, to the fucking Manson and like there's Jesus fucking Christ like that uh, it's outrageous that there's there's that band everybody in that band original members has lived a thousand fucking lives you know yeah. um, as well as being one of the most important bands of all time the fact that they started off kind of robbing other people's songs and then got a pound their bollocks and start writing songs themselves that were a million times better than the ones they were robbing. Yeah. Like, uh, being forced into being geniuses, you know, essentially. Yeah, they were. Um, but that's Brian Wilson, and that's just a couple of the little fucking mad things that that poor bastard got involved mm. got, got involved in. Um, he obviously brought out uh, Smile, Brian Wilson Smile, uh, what was it, fuck, it must have been 20 years ago, which was his kind of big return. That's to, right. to that did very well, very actually. well. They toured the shit out with that, and the yeah. album sold an awful lot. It's actually a good album. It's I think touring, I can't imagine touring with schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. You would need some sort of grounding, and you could go to a new city with new faces and yeah. new food and things you're not like. The only thing I can think of is that a, there's a routine involved in it that if you've got the right tour manager or handler that you're going to do, even though you're somewhere different every day, you're going to do, going to do the exact same thing every day. Yeah. Like, but you, you also don't want to do too much the same thing. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know whether, I'm sure it depends on the person, whether routine is good for them or bad for them. Um, I, I don't know. On, do you know that, um, I don't know if you're part of that Facebook page, uh, sorry I didn't come to the show. Oh, I've seen a couple of them. So good. There's yeah. one the other day going, don't go out touring. Just lock yourself in a yeah. cupboard for three hours I, a day. I posted that yesterday. Get out. Oh, did you post that? As well? I, I, saw, I saw that yeah. when I went up. I have it right here on my phone and it's one of the greatest things. It's so Do you want to go touring? Go and get a milk crate and sit in your cupboard for three hours. Get out, piss smoke and get back in. Repeat three times. Then go and carry your washing machine up a flight of stairs four times. Then eat a peanut butter sandwich. That's exactly, <laughs> that. I'm going to be honest with you, that's exactly what, what, what it's like. Yeah. I clicked like on that instantly. I was yeah. like, give me that, give me the like. I fucking loved it. Perfect. It nails it all down. It's the most monotonous bullshit imaginable <laughs> being stuck in a fucking van for eight hours a day to play for an hour if, if you're lucky and then get back in a van and go somewhere it's just, horrific yeah I just realised that that Devil and Daniel Johnson documentary was not done by Todd Phillips okay. the next guys was that's uh, why I'm seeing it written there with my eyes okay right who's your next one anyway my next one is Gigi Allen god damn um, he definitely had a melting illness because he couldn't be that mental sorry in quotes mental. I don't know I'm on the fence. I, I, I'm actually on the fence with this guy as well. Yeah, but, I, I but, think. But I, well, the reason I put him yeah. in is because I read it is another disturbing childhood. Um, yeah. Uh, his documentary, uh, Hate at Gigi Allen, yeah. was done by Todd Phillips, not fucking yeah. Daniel Johnson's one. Jesus. You can tell that we haven't quite woken up yet. Yeah, still but to be honest with you, I'm glad we're not doing this one locked. I don't know, it'll be funnier. Of course it would be funnier. <laughs> anyway, Gigi Allen was a punk who, def- the song is called Abuse Myself, I Want to Die from 1985, or mm. sometimes it's called I Want to Die. Um, his music is garbage as far as I'm concerned it's yeah, not very good uh, he was a punk who defecated urinated flagellated masturbated mm. vomited self-harmed on stage as mm. well as violently attacking audience members even yep. un- underage audience members um, I think he was aiming to be the most dangerous and mm. fucked up rock and roll star of all time yeah I think half half of Gigi Allen was just kind of performance art almost yeah. without even knowing it yeah because um, all of his song titles are just like scum fuck uh, Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, the band was the Border Junkies, like the Border like, Junkies. Like, uh, yeah, I'm not a Gigi Allen fan. I appreciate the fact that people appreciate him, but it does. does I think he's important me. in terms of the snarl of rock and roll. Yeah, and he, he was the face, of it. face of it. Yeah, but at the same time, 
Punks that take him seriously. I, think, I don't know whether there's people who are actually mad into GGL. No, if, no, no. If, if they are, they're, they're, they're like lying. Try and emulate that. Uh, yeah. I mean, the punks do. Yeah. the punks try that fucking... I mean, there's a, there's a bunch, of, bunch of acts way back in the fucking... The ever before. <laughs> Even like the germs and stuff that had elements of that in there. And you, you do need that, but I mean, like, to the extent of... What G.G. Allen did, I don't know. Ah, oh, listen, uh, like, the, the, the closest thing to someone like G.G. Allen now doing the rounds is maybe someone like the Dwarves from a couple of years ago. Not so much now because they're all getting older. Or Marilyn Manson when he first came yeah, out when he was like, cutting himself up Exactly, but like, their version of it is so sanitized and like, oh, yeah. magazine and, and covered. And, yeah, and, right. Of course. Um, so he grew up in New Hampshire, which is a bit of a mad place by all accounts. Uh, his father was a mentally ill, abusive, religious fanatic who regularly, this is fucked up, regularly threatened a murder-suicide with the family. He goes, one of these days, I'm going to kill all of you, bury you, and kill myself. You're coming with me. Imagine saying that all the time, going, oh, Grant, can't wait to do that. Um, he, he, do you know what his birth name is, Gigi Allen's? I can't remember. Jesus Christ Allen. That's right, yeah. That's right. Birth name is Jesus Christ. Yeah. So his mother, when That's she right. divorced... I knew it was something fucking weird. But yeah, when she finally divorced the father, changed his name to Kevin Michael. Yeah, that'll do. Because Jesus Christ is... Imagine that was your name. I might change my name to Jesus Christ. Well, the gas thing is, like, she changed it so he wouldn't get bullied in school. But then he discovered the New York Dolls and started going to school in New Hampshire dressed as a, a gender fluid oh, yeah. person. And, like, back there in New Hampshire was that, like, lumberjacky kind of... Of course. So he was getting... That kid was... That did not exist. Yeah. yeah. Um, the first time he ever shot on stage is when he took loads of... What do you call it? Laxatives. Uh, laxatives. And uh, went out on stage and literally, it was a 1985 show in Illinois and he deliberately shot himself on stage Jesus and apparently the smell was so bad that there was like people hoarding themselves to get out and they were like pushing, like stamp, stampeding. Because I think he started throwing it at the crowd and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, apparently this, I can just, uh, uh, I can almost, no. I'd like it as well. I'd, I'd dance over people's heads to get away from shit. Would you just, just throw your own shit to get through? Yeah, them. I'd throw my own shit back at him to, just to block some of the shit. Weaponize it. This is not the first time show is going to come up in this podcast either. God, yeah. So he'd also slice himself open yeah. badly on stage, bad, yeah. smash his head off yeah. stuff, uh, get sick, piss. And he apparently said he has uh, forced himself on people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, I don't on know. On stage. But yeah. Because, I, because later on we discovered that he was, um, got arrested in 1989 for intent to commit bodily harm, mm. less than murder. Yeah. Because he cut, uh, he sliced the girl's boob. Yeah, that's open, right. Yeah. Yeah. And he burnt her with uh, lighters, I think. Yeah. Um, and then she accused him of rape. Yeah. And he said, I, she asked me to marry her and I said no. And that's the only reason that she went to the police about that. So there were some inconsistencies in her story that meant that she, that the, the, the case was thrown out. Yeah. So he wasn't done for rape, but um, I mean. <sighs> yeah, listen, he's, he's a horrific fucked up Jesus. person who obviously. He has to have mental illness, man. Eh. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, by my standards, I think... Not by my standards, my own standards. Yeah. But, but, but I would consider he would... He always promised for years he was going to kill himself on yeah. stage. And yeah. I reckon, honestly, honestly think he would, was going to. But yeah. he was... He was... Um, he wasn't done for rape that time, but he was done for intent to commit bodily mm. harm. So he was in jail. When, like, the day came up where he, he told people the date he was going to kill himself. But that came up in jail. Yeah. He decided he didn't want to do it in jail because it wouldn't be as good as on stage. He died of like sepsis or something, didn't he? Don't no, he did. He died of overdose. 
He uh, died of a heroin overdose. Was a heroin? Yeah, right. in 1993. Maybe he got sick from sepsis or something. He was he was sick oh, well, for a while. Well, if you're rubbing shit into your wounds. Uh, you know people go to his gravesite and piss and shit in it. Yeah, That's the thing. You go to Gigi Allen's fucking headstone and you piss on it. Mm. Well, right. Yeah. Okay. Off you go. I'd hate to be Imagine buried. The I'd hate to be buried it. beside him. Mm. Imagine you got to just drop flowers off to Auntie yeah, it'd be some Jill. fence you'd have to put around. Auntie Jill and I'm like, what's that smell? Oh, Gigi yeah, Allen's graves beside him. And then fucking outbreak monkey tents that have to put Jesus, that fucking... Jesus Christ, Allen's name is yeah. beside us there. <laughs> Jesus buried, Christ. I want to be buried beside Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, mm. okay. Ooh. Wrong one. Um, Wrong one. He said he'd been arrested 52 times. Possibly. He said he's raped men and women on stage. I don't I don't think that's true. Although I don't really know. He's definitely, I'd say, fingered everyone on stage. Oh, yeah. Some part of some cool, cool punk thing. Yeah. I sound so old saying that, but I, you know me, I've always got a problem with punk shit. I, yeah, I don't yeah. know what it is. It's like just, I said, I, I, I believe that 99% of Gigi Allen stuff was his idea of performance art. And of I think he led like a, a meek fucking life um, of trouble. And that when he did get out on his own, he wanted everybody to know his name. Yeah, that's it. That's really it. So it was actually a documentary, like I said, Hey, it's G.G. Allen. It's actually a really good documentary, mm. but it's hard to watch sometimes. That's the one that Todd Phillips made the job with. It's hard to watch because you have to listen to the fucking music. It's fucking garbage. Yeah, Who's your next one? Uh, my next one is the king of all of them. It's Phil Spector. Phil Spector. Yeah. Um, right, let's get this out of the way. Right. <laughs> all right. Phil Spector murdered someone. Yeah. In 2003, okay? Phil Spector killed so, someone. Yeah, uh, Lana Clarkson. So what we're going to do is we are going to move before that. Right, okay. Okay. So we know he's a fucking horrible scumbag. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to move pre-murder. Now, the song I picked was Ramones Rock and Roll High School, just because one of the stories is related to that song. Okay, right, okay? right. Now, there is Phil Spector music out there, but who gives a shit, right? Oh, his own stuff, that's right. Yeah. yeah. No, no. So who cares? No. Right, Phil Spector, the producer is who we're dealing with here, right? Um, so yeah, he's found guilty of murder uh, of uh, Lana Clarkson in 2003 and I think that that whole court thing was fucking insane as well but we're going to move before that now what we do have we quite possibly have on record the moment where Phil Spector snaps oh really? yeah his brain like snaps yeah um, so it's 1958 he has uh, his first group he's ever he was ever in was a group called the Teddy Bears um, I, th- I think it was like a soul group or a rock group um, of the time and he goes into the jacks I think after a gig to take a slash and he's attacked by four lads and they beat the shit out of him and they all take turns pissing on him well. um, from that moment on- onward he never goes anywhere without a gun and a bodyguard Well, so for the rest of his life he carries weapons and he has bodyguards with him um, he uh I think that's the moment where it all turns for Phil right. Spector. Well, he's, well, only he's clearly then massively paranoid. One hundred percent. Which so I've had paranoia in the past. It's yeah. not good for no brain, man. It's zero crack. So that's his. Now he's only a small little fella as well. So uh, it, it didn't take fucking much for him to feel threatened. But four guys beating the shit out of him and uh, yeah, pissing on him that's kind of that's, that's got kind of traumatic that, 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 that's the trauma that will stay with you exactly. for a long time um, I have a bunch of stories here and they're fucking Jesus H. Christ um, <laughs> fuck me I'm laughing but fucking hell uh, so John Lennon has like this kind of contractually obliged album he has to do for a record label so he decides in pure John Lennon fashion he's like fuck it we'll just do an album of covers Fuck, I'm not writing anymore. I'll just do some covers. We'll do rock and roll covers. 
So Phil says, you know, what do you want to call your album? Uh, rock and roll. All right, Grant. Oh. <laughs> okay, so they're banging out this fucking album as quick as possible. Phil Spector is the producer on it. They get into this uh, pissing contest as to who can drink the most amount of gargle. And... Uh, Phil Spector was American, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, I'll give it to the guy from Liverpool. Yeah. yeah all day. Yeah, all day, every day. Right. So, because Americans, whatever. The, the, listen, the, the Germans beat us, to be honest. The, yeah, it depends on the context as well. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to create a drinking yeah. walk-up. I just know that Americans, quite cleverly, will drink water in the middle of the oh, session. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can point on the, on the water. It's like. fucking clever. The yeah. only thing the Americans have going for them is that their measures are almost double of ours. Yeah, and to most be fair, bars. Yeah. So, and, so that kind so, of negates the water. Okay, so fair I, enough. I, I don't know. I think it depends it's, on the It's person. not a competition. Uh, not well, a, it was in this, this case. Right. So they decided, uh, they decided to fucking have this mad drinking session. So... It goes on for ages and they end up in a fucking massive row. They're not going to show you out of each other. Right? So they end up in a fist fight. Spectre, being Spectre, pulls out a fucking gun. Of course he does. Holds the John Lennon's head. Walks into the studio. Picks up all the master tapes and just runs off into the ether. Disappears. Yeah. Gone for months. Right? Lennon's fucking trying to ring him all the time. He's like, this label are going to sue me. Yeah. Where the fuck are these master tapes? Like, I just give them to them. Just give them to them. Takes them fucking six, seven months to finally get a hold of Phil Spector. Has to apologise to Hal Chapang. Finally gets the master tapes. Sorry the album the goes shy, Exactly. Right? At so, least didn't piss on you. Exactly. Um, so he gets married. Uh, he marries a woman called Ronnie Bennett. And uh, <laughs> I think like, <laughs> fucking hell. They, he, he kind of forces Ronnie to move in with him. She, I don't think she wanted to move into his big giant mansion. She was kind of afraid. Um, because it was like a, it was like some sort of cartel compound. He had a, it was surrounded by like vicious dogs, barbed wire, chain link fences and bodyguards walking around with guns all the time. Cause he was massively paranoid as well. Um, so a couple of days after Ronnie moves into his mansion, he brings her down to the basement and he shows her this massive glass coffin that he's had built. And he says, if you ever try and leave me, I'm going to lock you in there and you're going to stay there till the day you die and I'm just going to leave you in there. Wow. Now, part of Ronnie's deal for moving into the mansion, into Phil's house, was that she got to bring, she got to bring her mother with her. So Phil's like, all right, yeah, whatever. Phil makes sure as well that he brings her mother down, shows her the coffin and says, this is where I'm going to put your daughter oh, if she ever tries to leave me. So eventually... Must have been a very awkward dinner. That oh, night. fucking hell. Eventually she escapes... Right, essentially, um, I think he gets brought to court for kidnapping, but she does escape. The mother helps her escape. Somehow she makes it through the fucking barbour and the dogs and the bodyguards, and she escapes out. Um, I think Phil gets arrested <coughs> and brought to court for a kidnapping. I can say those bodyguards and, probably caught him. And, yeah, we'll walk away. Quite possibly. I hope they did. Anyway. Um, so the, probably the the most famous Phil Spector recording session of all time was the Ramones' End of the Century. This is one of these legendary music stories. Um, so Phil had made a name for himself, kind of uh, getting uh, 60s groups kind of back in fashion, like uh, the 60s girl bands and the 60s kind of do-wop bands and stuff like that. Th- this was going. This was uh, kind of a break from the norm for him to do punk rock or rock and roll. So mm. the Ramones had always just went in and belted out their album. Right, they wanted again. They were very that raw feel. Yeah, but they they were very interested in the kind of art end of it as well. That even if there was a few little fuck ups in it, if it sounded good, it was fine. Yeah, let's go in. The songs are a minute and a half, two minutes long. Belt them out. Does it sound good? Is there a big fuck up? No, fine. Bang, it's done. Phil was having fucking none of this. So 
the song oh, I put it has in to be pristine has to be 100 it's the fucking Ramones man they're a punk band exactly so the song I put on this was Rock and Roll High School now by all accounts the very very first note in Rock and Roll High School it's just this fucking open chords blah, blah, type yeah. of fucking thing Phil was obsessed with this fucking chord absolutely fucking obsessed so he wasn't happy with this this take Johnny Rome playing guitar he was never happy with just this opening chord blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Johnny just banging out like it's a fucking chord it's an A or something just blah, yeah. blah, playing this chord Phil loses his fucking mind pulls out a revolver holds it to Johnny Ramone's head for 8 hours makes him play this chord over and over and over and over again until finally like Johnny just breaks and just and Phil goes that's it perfect click puts the gun away walks away during the recording he invited everybody uh, up to his mansion for a party yeah, I would definitely not go after that. But they didn't really, really know. Mm. Not really. Um, they probably just thought that was part of the process. Yeah, kind of. crazy process. So what he does is uh, he separates the whole band and kind of kidnaps them as well. He's mad for kidnapping people in his Mostly, house. yeah. He separates them all. He brings Joey Ramone, uh, brings Joey into a room with a piano and he makes him sing Baby I Love You over and over and over again for an entire night. Right, um, which is a song Phil had written for a band years ago, which ended up on the album actually. They done a cover of Baby I Love I don't like that song. I don't mind, that's fine. Um, I find myself humming it and singing it every now and again randomly, yeah. kind of by accident. Um, if it wasn't, it reminds me, I don't know actually. Yeah, I don't know. Never, yeah. But he makes Joey sing that song for the entire night while Phil plays piano. Um, he puts DD in another room. I think he, t- I think he put, holds him at, at, at gunpoint as well. Says, You're not allowed to leave this room. You stay here um, and think of songs. That we're going to play tonight. We're going to have a little gig. Um, eventually they get out. Um, eventually they get out and they go off. They are completely and utterly unhappy with this album. Um, the, the album actually sounds pretty good. It does. But they are one hundred percent like this is not Ramon's album. I don't know what the fuck this is. Uh, we're completely and utterly like and a little bit traumatized. One hundred percent. Yeah. Now in nineteen ninety nine, this is just the end of this story. Nineteen ninety nine. Phil Spector invites Time magazine to kind of hang out in his house with him. You know, let's do a week in the life of Phil Spector. <coughs> he promises them. Don't go. He says, uh, listen, you just hang out. You know, we're going to leave a reporter here, you know, with a you know, camera and a dictaphone or whatever. You hang out. I'm just going to be my normal Phil Spector self. And uh, you write the, the piece about me because I want people to know who the real Phil Spector is. Because there's been an awful lot of lawyers written about me and everybody thinks I'm crazy. So, well, well, Toy Magazine are there. They, fucking hell. One of the reporters gets up in the middle of the night because he hears a noise. He's what the fuck is this noise? So he starts like walking around the hallway and uh, he hears something moving at the end of the hall. He fucking sneaks down the hall and he looks down the hall and it's Phil Spector dressed as Batman walking around his house in the dark. Jesus. Right? So, Wesley Willis battering him. Yeah. <laughs> so the reporter decides. Oh, and GDL and pissed normal. Him. Yeah, exactly. And the reporter says, This is fucking normal. So he goes back to his bedroom, goes to sleep. Every night he gets up the same time, sneaks around the house, finds Phil Spector. Phil Spector, every single night, dresses up as Batman, turns all the film lights it? off. I don't know. I right, doubt. he's a. F- <sighs> yeah, I know. He should have done annoying. it. He should have done it. He came to do that. Yeah. It happens every night and he yeah. doesn't film it. So apparently, Phil Spector dresses up as Batman. Every night, like full suit. I don't think it was like a little lycra one. I think it was like a proper Michael Keaton. It's him. He probably got the actual one. Actual Batman suit. Yeah. Walks around his house in the dark, pretending to fight crime or whatever the fuck it is. Jesus. Um, yeah, that's Phil Spector. There's, again, 
You could he, do on another entire fucking podcast on Phil Spector. Um, but he again, did shoot a woman. He did. He did. Uh, at least, at least one that we know of. Um, Bastard. Yeah, he's a he's a terrible, terrible person. Um, Mad hair as well. He's just, he's, listen, he, you know we looking at him. Yeah. Yeah, like you know when you look at someone, you go that he's he's not for me. No, that fella. Yeah, he does look dodgy. Yeah, he's he's, he's yeah suspect as fuck. Right, who's your next one? My next one is Devin Townsend. The song is Earth Day from 2001. I really like that song. Mm. Well, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a huge capacity for listening to loads of Devin Townsend because it's prog and yeah. it's long and it's yeah. mad. Um, he's a Canadian multi instrumentalist. Uh, like I said, he's mad into. It's got a varied kind of music, but it is mostly prog metal, mm. to be honest with you. Um, across all of his bands, I think he's, and, and side projects, he's released 23 albums and four live albums. And he has that kind of wall of sound style, yeah. speaking of uh, Phil, Phil Spector. Yeah. He's influenced by that. <clears throat> Massive layers of just sonic shite. <coughs> I'm coughing like mad now for some reason. Get out, yeah. Um, Townsend was discovered in his teens in 93 when he was asked to perform lead vocals on Steve Vai's album Sex and Religion. He went on tour with him. Hmm. Uh, he was completely like discouraged about that kind of music and, hmm. and the way the whole industry ran. So he started a band called Strapping Young Lad. I like Strapping Young Lad a lot, hmm. actually. With, with Gene Hoglan, which is probably one of the best metal drummers in the world. Um, another thing he did was he started a, a project called The Physicist with Jason Newstead. Weird. Until... The tape leaked and Lars Ulrich and James Heffield found out about it and really? lost their shit and banned everyone from Metallica from ever doing any side projects ever. Really? Yeah. That's fucking... Okay. So they weren't allowed to do that anymore. Yeah. So I suppose when you think of it, there are no... No. There's no Metallica side projects, no. is there? No. That's you would have thought by now Heffield would have put out some sort of like country Absolutely. trucker. So he's, that's there. obviously in the, in the Metallica yeah. thing. No one is allowed to do anything like that. I wonder, like your man, Rob Gillow has never even played. Has he played? He has, surely played with. Suicidal. Suicidal. I think he might have. But that's, that, not, but that's not a side project. That's yeah. just like going back and doing a gig or a tour. Yeah, or whatever, the that, jump in. The jump in, yeah. Mm. But no released material. Actual, yeah. I guarantee you every single person <laughs> in that band has stuff recorded for the day Metallica call it a day. Oh God, it's probably good as well. I doubt it. Depends on when it was written. Was it written in the late 80s? Yeah, it's good. Was it written after that? It's shit. Yeah, shy. exactly. Is that Newstead thing it's probably alright. No, we've never heard it. But, um, he started to get really, 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 really depressed and uh, had mad suicidal thoughts around 97. So he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Mm. Um, and he was in mad into drugs and alcohol at the time, which... Probably the escape, bipolar, really, The best yeah. thing you can do is to not... That's kind of shit life then, if you, yeah. if you wanted to have a few drinks or like that. I know a lot of people with bipolar, and they do drink, and they do do drugs, but... That's I mean, the way out, isn't it? Maybe it, it does. There's, there's an argument that it makes some. It's some people's escape. Mm. I don't fucking know, man. I'm not here to talk about whether I think it is or not because I don't have bipolar. Thankfully, looks well. I don't think do we? Do you? I don't know. Does I? I don't know. Um, probably not. He checked himself into a medical asylum. Mental asylum. Sorry. A medical asylum. Is that what you uh, A mental institution. Yeah. Where where he. Got, got to understand bipolar mm. and it started to mean that it made, made his music that he was making a lot more sense because despite the fact that he writes mad heavy music a lot of his stuff is really ambient yeah. and toned down and stuff like that and he could never figure out how to link them so I think he just went I'm not linking them I'm going to put the albums out the way they are mm. it will have different styles on it so just get used to it uh, that's probably what throws me off sometimes 
when I'm listening to Devin Townsend, the jumps that goes between. Yeah, and I don't mind that really. Normally, I don't really mind that. I personally like. I like a good linear line. Yeah. Of 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 bands, I like. I want to be able to connect the dots between the first album and the most recent one. And if there's something that kind of skips five or six dots, that's where I lose them. Yeah, I don't even mind the album. It's just I just want the album itself to flow in yeah. a way that makes sense to me. And you can do that with different styles. You know what, man? I try and listen to Devon Townsend as much as I can. I'm trapping a lot. But after about four or five songs, I'm like, I'm on to something else now. Because mm. it's... Uh, he has a vocal range of five octaves and three notes. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That's mental. Uh, since... Since ninety, since two thousand seven, when I think Strapping Lab broke up, he's been um, sober, completely sober, and off all psychotic medication. So, mm. so whatever happened, maybe it was a mix. Maybe it was the alcohol was kicking that off, and the constant touring, mm. constant touring. He doesn't tour as much. He took loads of time off for Sammy. I think his brain just literally melted yeah. back out again. Yeah. So that's the kind of good it, story of it someone fit who fit back into the mold yeah, again, like who started to understand their own music, yeah. their own limitations. Um, he's also a vegetarian. Hmm? Not an activist, though. That's like us. The way you want to be. Shut up, about <laughs> Just shut up, you sap. Yeah. Um, there's not, that's what I'm saying. This, this, this is a kind of good story about yeah. it. So he's he's come out of that. So he's learned how to core bipolar. So obviously, figuring out how to not take antipsychotic medita- medication but knock the alcohol and drugs on the head hmm. has definitely figured out some way of fixing it. And not probably not touring too much as well because... That's going to make you depressed. Quite possibly, yeah. And if you get back on the alcohol, then he knows he's fucked. Mm. That's Devin Townsend. Not a huge amount on it, mm. but he did... Uh, a lot of people told me years ago that the myth going around was that he wrote, like, Ocean Machine in in mental in a mental institution. Mm. He, or drove him mad. Some music does drive people mad, but yeah. uh, I reckon it was the bipolar and all the drugs. Who's your next one? My next one is a classic case, and it's Lee Scratch Perry. So the song is Disco Devil. Uh... I, again, this is... He always seems a bit eccentric. Is he th- mad? I think all these old kind of reggae and dub guys are mad. Um, I don't know if they're, like... I think that style of music... Uh, I think, first of all, I have to be fucking mad to like it. Um, but second or of all... super simple. Yeah. Um, Although his style of reggae is actually not bad. He... Yeah. As far as reggae goes, it's dub or yeah, grassroots or not dub, grassroots, yeah. not grass, dub, um, dub reggae. He it? does, he, his whole deal is that he will layer mad shoy upon mad shoy. Um, he, he set up a little, he lives in Switzerland now, of all places. Which is, yeah, it was real weird. But, um, back in the day, he had a studio called the Black Ark and it was just his fucking shed basically in uh, Kingston. And he, he had, I think it was just like a little, a four track or an eight track. And all he did was just like record and bounce the tracks. So we could end up with hundreds of fucking layers, but only on four tracks. Wow. And he'd be using like fucking kettles and whatever show he could find yeah. to create layers. And he'd make the song. All through echo pedals. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and then he would eventually, his idea would be to, his kind of dub version of it would be that he would strip everything out and just leave like the bass and the drums just he, he'd try and kind of like a, like a statue I think it was the way he he would talk about it where you take this block of noise and you take your chisel to it and you start trying to sculpt something new out of this block of noise that oh you made, yeah yeah right so layer it all up and then decide and what the, you want to take yeah, from it yeah. and then start cutting it out and that, that, that creates your structure obviously exactly and that was kind of we've done stuff like that we've all done stuff like yeah. that before <laughs> but that was his way of doing it Um he he was always a bit 
touched where again he smoked so much fucking weird um, he doesn't do anything anymore doesn't Does he drink not? doesn't smoke doesn't he, he looks at those days as the bad days because he thinks that when he sees footage of himself like being absolutely manic he's like he, he you know past comments about like like there's no such thing as a good drug you know like he done mm. damage to himself via weed well and he, he kind of he probably smoked so much that he went right I've done everything I've yeah done, I know weed inside out now and I can categorically state that yeah now no. he he's kind of considered to be the king of fucking of dub yeah he is the go to guy um, to the point where when Bob Marley and the Whalers weren't having a great time after they, they moved to England they called him in and uh, made a couple of albums with them but apparently he stole all the money that's right. why even like Bunny Whaler and all like any of the guys who were left the original guys they won't talk about him they really? do not talk they don't mention his name um, and he won't talk about them either whenever the Whaler stuff is brought up he goes I don't want to talk about that Well, wow. because he just he robbed them blind yeah. um, he used to he, he he hasn't driven a car in 30 years but when he did he used to get lumps of old pork and let it rot for a week or two and then strap it onto the hood ornament of the car and drive around Kingston because he thought the smell of rotten meat was like purging it was like we'll get rid of bad spirits and stuff like that Jesus um, in a pure manic state he burnt down the black arc one day with all the tapes and everything inside it. All was that his, his studio? that was his studio that's right I heard about that um, he burnt it down uh, straight afterwards he ran out and he spent $25,000 on a set of uh, knives and forks okay yeah he just went he just liked this fucking cutlery set and he spent 25 grand on it that's real Elton John and Michael Jackson yeah extravagant spending yeah. For, on, on something mad um, so even now even though he's given up the gargle and the drugs and all that he still his missus kind of keeps him on the straight and narrow because he even though he's kind of straight he wanders off into like madness every now and again yeah where uh, apparently go, every now and again he uh, shites in champagne glasses and leaves them hidden around the house fucking yeah. hell yeah so he shites and he pisses into champagne glasses and leaves them hidden around the Take house that GG Alan yeah um, because he thinks that piss and shit is the essence of life so he's given quotes, he says, like, I believe in my piss, I believe in my shit. And he thinks that, like... <laughs> I can hear that in his voice. <laughs> yeah, I believe in piss. So he's got this thing where uh, he thinks that, like, all the goodness that he puts in, like, the nutrients from food and the stuff that keeps him alive, that passes through his body, travels through him and comes out in his piss and shit. So he thinks by keeping, like, glasses of shite around, it kind of keeps the life essence in the room. And that uh, that keeps him ticking away. He loves like spray painting and shit like that. He doesn't wear masks. He just spray paints randomly around his house. Um, his wife is always chasing him, like because he's a messy pig of a cunt. Apparently, he's just a fucking like the place must be. Well, you like, know, a lot. Of, I found a lot of things that came up. A lot of these people were very messy because they thought I'm a genius. I yeah. don't have time for that shit. Mm-hmm. That is the most mind-numbing stuff to and a lot of them dropped out of school as genius like clever well apparently clever oh yeah, yeah. Like, well, but they just were bored well that's that's it now a lot of the, the the stuff that he's kind of known for being mad for in the last couple of years is strictly down to boredom because they live on this hill in Switzerland so like I said he hasn't driven in 30 years but every now and again he gets he gets a fucking pain in his arse and he gets somebody to drive him down to this uh, monastery that's down the road and uh, <laughs> He walks into the monastery. He goes into the monastery when they're giving mass and he rolls up a snowball and he sticks it in his head and he just walks up and down the, the, the oil in the monastery fucking shouting and screaming with a snowball in his head. Walks back out, gets in the car and gets brought home. Like, this is just how he breaks the monotony 
of life every now and again. Wow. Yeah. They're probably waiting for him going, when is Lee scratching yeah, coming in with the snowball? When is Lee coming, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's still kind of in demand. He still is highly sought after. Imagine his stuff. discography. Yeah, it's outrageous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Even if you go to Wikipedia and just look at the stuff that he's touched, you know what I mean? That he might have only done a little thing on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's fucking, he's mad, like. Whether he's, like, clinically mad, I don't know. But he's, he's, he definitely, he could have broken his brain with that much weed. Well, I think he agrees that he done something to himself with the weed. Yeah. That he smokes so much. There's just footage of him smoking joints the size of baseball bats. Yeah. You know, like that was just, you know, live and die by fucking, by the reefer, like. Um, but yeah, that's Lee Scratch Perry. Again, another fella you could, you could most certainly talk about for fucking hours. Um, but who's your next one? My last one your last is, one. yeah, is Vince Taylor. Brand new Cadillac from mm. 1959. His real name is Brian Morris Holden. Mm. Uh, he was born in England. He's a rock and roll singer and the lead singer of Vince Taylor and his Playboys. Mm. Um, as far as I know, he's the first guy to popularise wearing full leather as a rocker. Okay. Even though I thought it would have been someone in the Teddy Boys in the 50s. Mm. Anyway, um, this kind of, a lot of people say, oh no, that was Elvis. But Elvis took that look apparently Yeah. from um, Vince Taylor, who mm. wasn't an amazing singer, but he was an absolute frontman. Yeah. A lunatic of a frontman with this band, the Playboys. It was just pure rock and roll. Yeah. This song's okay. It's, it wouldn't be my favourite thing in the world, to be honest with you like that. But a, a few things I found interesting about Vince Taylor was, I knew his name, but I didn't know much about him, and I knew he was considered another one of those acid casualties. He broke his brain with acid, 100%. He was just took too much of it. Mm. Um, but before, before he found all that, he, um, he was playing with the, uh, I think he had a few, he definitely had problems before he took LSD. That's mm. sort of how it happens. With, with, with him anyway he was playing with the playboys and he would randomly not turn up to a gig they'd be like booked uh, like a proper gig he wouldn't turn up to it and uh, they'd be like where were you he goes I, I rang my girlfriend to come to the gig and she said she wasn't coming so I'm not coming mm. they were like right okay she went I have to, I have to go look for her because I know she went another fella and I can't go out on stage and play the gig <laughs> yeah. if she's not there so they were like grand so they were missing they were signed by the stage mm. and missing massive gigs Massive sold out gigs. He wasn't, wasn't torn up. So they, they left. They, they broke up and said, no, fuck this. So he needed a bit of money. So he moved to France to play a gig where he was put down on lowest on the billing, which made him absolutely enraged. Mm. So he went out there first and absolutely stole the show. Apparently went absolutely mental. Yeah. Gave the performance of his life. Wrecked everybody coming after him. Yeah. Wrecked them all. Mm. So the promoters put them, started putting them up there on the billing. And all of a sudden he got massively popular in France. Yeah. For a while during, like the 50s is the 50s or late is mid 60s he was absolutely huge in France like mm. the biggest thing in France Um, he was still getting paid from stuff now I don't know he was with the Playboys at this stage but I don't know I couldn't find out whether they were the original ones mm. the ones that left or, just or the new together. ones yeah. yeah but whatever happened he had to go home to England to pick up money for them and uh, while he was there picking up the money everything was, seemed alright he was doing well in France really well everything was going grand Someone goes, do you want to try this LSD stuff? And he's like, oh. yeah, yeah, give us a bang of this. With that. Wow. All the money he had just picked up, he went, give me more of that stuff. Yeah. And he kept buying it and literally cracked his brain in no time. Mm. Gone. Like, absolutely cracked. His band were coming up to him going, um, where's that money? And he goes, uh, don't worry about money. I'm God. Yeah, in me blood. That's where that money is. And they were like, what do you mean you're God? He goes, yeah, 
I'm God now. I'm getting messages from God now. And they were like, oh, for fuck's sake, here we go. And they were like, seriously, you're a fucking sap. Give me just the money. And he goes, I have a bit of the money left. He took it out of his pocket and set it on fire in front of him. Oh. And he goes, like I said, I think the quote is apparently, all you ever think about is money. God is what you should be thinking about. I am the son of God's son. Hmm. I am the new Messiah. Money is nothing. And this is what I think of money and born to. And they were penniless. That's a common theme throughout LSD usage. Let's get that straight. It is. That's yeah. what it absolutely is. Uh, the next night, this was, he was ragged at mm. this stage. The band were looking at him going, right, you're not ready to, to play a gig. But the next night, he turned up in his letters with his chain, freshly clean shaven. And they were like, fuck, he's okay. But he's back on it. He's yeah. fine. He can pull this together for a gig. Mm. Goes out on stage and starts talking about him being the Messiah. They were like, oh, no. so that was the end of it. That was the end of that kind of, the band, like, you can't Mm-mm. go out to a bunch of rock and roll kids and go, oh, let's talk about Jesus and all that. They were like, no, that, that's it. It's gone. So um, his career was finished. He'd gig every now and then for money and stuff like that, but not with the bands. Yeah. The venues got smaller. The crowds got smaller. Um, he returned to London and started taking more acid where he met David Bowie. He used to meet David Bowie a lot and chat. To, David Bowie would chat to him all the time. David Bowie would see this guy all burnt out, all fucked up, like, and chat to him and go, this guy is really, really interesting. One day he met David Bowie, um, and stopped him outside his house in uh, in London, and he said, "I want to I want to share something with you." David Bowie was like, "Yeah, okay." He goes, How, "I drew this map, and this map is where all of the alien bases on Earth are." Just so you know, <laughs> just so you, I want to tell you this. And David Bowie was like, "Right, okay." He goes, "Now, so there's US, U, there's UFOs going to launch from here. There's extraterrestrials living around us here." Mm. And what did David Bowie do? Wrote a song about it. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It's fucking Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. The whole thing is just, he is, Vince Taylor is Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> he just went, this is genius. Yeah. Unfortunately, while that launched David Bowie's career, poor L. Vince Taylor died in Switzerland, of all places. Really? Yeah, died of Switzerland of cancer in 1991. And uh, he's kind of forgotten about. Yeah. Weirdly, another person who wrote a song about him was Adam and the Ants, mm. uh, written by Buzz Burr. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. yeah. Chad said, so, Buzz would have known him if he was probably in London, around. yeah. In London, but that's, that's, that's kind of another story of like an acid casualty of someone who, like, obviously, this guy had a few personality problems before yeah. that, but um, this turned him up, yeah. And you hear stories about microdosing LSD, it's supposed to be really good for you. I, 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 apparently, microdosing everything is good for you now. I don't know. Cunts microdosing MDMA every day and fucking I should start, ketamine. I should start microdosing Guinness, start microdosing money. Be into that via the Patreon. Microdosing money. <laughs> just just taking in only tiny bit of money. That's, That's the opposite. You want a macrodose money. No, macro no the Patreon is microdoses basically. It's less right. than a fiver a month. Did you know that? That was a nice uh, segue in there. Do you have another one? I've got one more. You've got we have got one more. Got Listen, one more. that was uh, Vince Taylor. There isn't a massive amount of information, but the, the main story about him is the fact that he is Ziggy Stardust. He be Ziggy. Ziggy Stardust or the influence from him. And if you listen to some of the lyrics, like mm. fighting with his band, fucking his brain up, coming too egotistical. Mm. Ziggy Stardust. The born out rock star. And uh, to be fair to David Bowie, he never became that, which I love about him. He, because he ever, if he ever had become, it would have been like a self-fulfilling prophecy that he became Ziggy, <laughs> but it wasn't. It was him. Who's the next one? Uh, my last one is Sly Stone. Yeah, he's definitely fun. This song is uh, Brave and Strong. Um... Fucking hell. Big fan of Sly and the Family Stone. I yeah. So he's born Sylvester Stewart. Um, he was, he probably invented funk music. Probably. Um, 
uh, everything he kind of done was taken, not taken, but elaborated on by groups like Parliament and yeah. so on and so forth. Um, it's definitely slowed down music, slowed down yeah. like rock and roll. So it does yeah. sound like just yeah, very groove, very groovy, um, very groovy. Fucking uh, Jesus Christ! Lee Scratch Perry went on record saying that Sly Stone has done so many drugs. That uh, even if he gave him up, he'd never come down. Like he, he was made of drugs. Jesus. Like he is the the prototype kind of Rick James, you know. Uh, he is drugs. <laughs> he, he is has become the drugs, one with yeah. the drugs. He let the let the liquor do the talking. Like he's just he he like essentially even the times where he was kind of sober, he was never a hundred percent. He'd done that much. It's still in the system. Yeah, all coming out. Uh, so what did we, he do? What kind of stuff was he into? Uh, Coke was his main. Coke. Coke was just his baby. Like live and die by the bag. You I know? think Coke is a stupid fucking. It drug. is a stupid fucking drug. But so by nineteen seventy one, by nineteen seventy one, he was so late with his album, um, with his kind of I think a second album or a third album that uh, the label had to just say we'll give you a million dollars if you if you finish it. Oh. So he was like, all right, yeah, Grant. That's class. Yeah, so off he went. Um, that's where... That's like the opposite of punishment. Yeah, well, that's how uh, Supergrass got the name for their second album, uh, In It For The Money, as well. Yeah. They hadn't... They w- they didn't name the album or it hadn't been finished. And the label said, we'll give you like 50 grand. So they said, we'll call it In It For The Money. Then. Brilliant. That's where that name came from. But uh, so <laughs> they, in 71, they, they offered him a lot of money to finish it. Um, uh, By the time this... Okay, so this album didn't really have the family stone on it. He start bringing guests in. Um he Is this after after the slide the family stone? No, it's during oh, it. Oh right, right. Oh. Um he basically just locked himself away in this little home studio and he just started making mad fucking music that was just layers upon layers. Um again, more of a Lee Scratch Perry kind of feel to it. And because he was working off a shitty little four track, uh, all the songs ended up with this weird kind of hiss that it cost him a fortune to try and filter out um, in in the mastering process. So that this album, um, I can tell you exactly what this fucking album is called now. I should have written it down. Oh, it I important. know it. I know it. It's just him on the front looking all happy. No, it's um, fuck my life. All the stuff in there. Um, the album is called There's a Riot Going On. That's, I love that album. Uh, yeah. I have and, that on vinyl and I yeah. swear to God, I listen to it, I'd say once a month because it's just so fucking good. Yeah, but it, 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 he started bringing people in, he, there's very few people from the Family Stone actually on this album because he just started bringing guests in and right. uh, it, it started getting real weird. He had Bobby, Ro- Bobby Walmack play a lot on it. Um, he made, <laughs> while they're making this album, there's a riot going on, he made Bobby Womack, uh stay awake for six days without sleep. Jesus. Playing bits. Um I think the same bits over and over again because he was again uh, he was past the point of actually needing sleep yeah you know he was just that drug fueled um they had a gig <laughs> they had a gig in Rotterdam and 10 minutes before the gig kicked off he jumped on his private plane and he flew to London to go shopping saying that he'd be back on time yeah and, I know uh, people in bands that do that would do oh, it. That, that's the thing. I've I know absolutely pe- experienced. You've that experienced, but not via private playing. Uh, and everyone in the whole band just starts flipping out and freaking yeah. out. I'll be back in a minute, like I'm just going to yeah. get chips. But chips take ten minutes to cook. Yeah, yeah. Oh. But we're on in three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, Sloy decided he uh, he wanted to go shopping in London. Ten minutes for the gig. Jumps on his plane, saying, "I'll be back in time." Like yeah. ten minutes. Yeah, it's fine. It's only it's only down the road. Get the fuck out of here. Um, boy, in 1979, he was carrying a gun around with him. Uh, he, he started getting real paranoid and uh, he thought everybody was out to get him. Uh, 
it gets it kind of gets even weirder. He he was notoriously always late for things. They couldn't control him. Like yeah. he just operated off his own That's schedule. Good. They have a bit of that in that show, Vinyl. He was in that, wasn't yeah, he? I think yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I only watched a bit of that. I need to go back and finish it. Uh, so what they start? His manager starts uh, getting helicopters for him. So if he was staying in the hotel, they'd get a helicopter from the hotel to the venue because literally he they would fly him from the bed. Like, it seems like every time he fucked up, they rewarded him. Kind of. That's well, he brilliant. was in such such a big. I know, but that's class. <laughs> so uh, one of the gigs, him and Bobby Walmart kind of took him, like, be, kind of became responsible for him. Yeah. Um, but they had to take turns. Everybody in the band had to take turns and looking after him. They had a name for it. I can't remember what it was called. Fucking Sly Control or some shit like that. They take turns, kind of minding him. But Bobby Walmart was the guy that decided, oh, I'll take him under me fucking wing to a degree. And uh, so one of the days they had to get the helicopter from the helicopter from from the hotel to the venue. So the helicopter takes off. Helicopter takes off and starts whizzing across the town, wherever the fuck they are. And uh, they had to turn the helicopter around and go back to the hotel and land because where Sly was sitting, there was a draft coming in the side door and it was blowing his mountain of cocaine away that he was doing. Um, so apparently what he would do was that like a couple of hours before the gig, he would just pull out like a kilo bag of coke and literally just start railing into it. And that this was his pre-gig kind of thing where he'd just start smashing coke into himself. I wonder how... I'd say that happens a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, went up in the helicopter and the breeze started blowing his cocaine away. <laughs> so he started losing his fucking mind and freaking out, trying to open the doors to fix the fix the fucking draft, the hodgeman, because all his coke's blowing That'll away. That'll definitely work open So we had to yeah. swap seats with Bobby Womack because there was no draft on Bobby Womack's side. So he could literally just stay on it all yeah. the way until the gig. Um, <laughs> kind of by, by, by the end of his performance career, he used to um, get a house full of people. He invited everybody back to his house all the time. And he used to walk around wearing a full leather jumpsuit. <coughs> he'd, he'd walk around wearing a full leather jumpsuit and he would just issue commands to people. So, he'd get up like in the morning. random guns. Just whoever was in the house, he'd go, you yeah. stand over there. Yeah. You go into that bedroom. You stand still. And he'd just stand there doing coke, looking at them. He's like, you sit down now. You know, you face the wall. Like, this is what he'd done. Now, they could have wheeled him out of retirement a couple of times, but apparently he has a mad, a mad hunchback now. Um, I don't know whether that's him just doing lines, coke. just leaning over a table. Um, but he has a mad hunchback now. Uh, he doesn't remember any of his lyrics. Um, it, it, not ne- embarrassment is the wrong word, but he's he's fully cooked. Yeah, like he's done. He's done. They overboiled that egg. Um, they overboiled that egg. Yeah, he he, he was just. Gone by the end of it. For a guy who was like... Record labels really don't give a fuck about people, do they? They just... They will give as much drugs as they can and burn these people out, yeah. putting them on as many tours as possible. That's, it doesn't matter. Yeah, everything is like, pornography. Yeah, as, as long as it's the golden goose gets the egg. If they have to pull it out, they have to pull the egg out. You consider that... Uh, look at your classical fucking record contract where the label are getting, I don't know, 20%. The management are getting five The booking agents getting two the artists themselves getting 15 whichever way you want to work it out um so if an album makes uh, santana sells 100 million albums right and there's a fucking i don't know a, a 900 million dollars made off that if it over a career like 
the label are in for a good payday by keeping that fucker going. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you have to look at someone like Sly Stone as well. He would have been selling a fierce amount of records. It doesn't matter how fucked up they are. Can they sell the tickets? Can they sell the albums? Yeah. Can they get them back onto the bus? That's why the, the, the record label always have handlers on these tours. Always. Oh God, it wouldn't yeah. be just the band in the back of a van anymore. Once you reach a certain point in your career... The label has given you yeah. two or three people and absolute, like, fucking hard bastards who are going to pull you out of fucking bed. Because it's going to be in the contract. If you do not perform 99.9% of these gigs, you're allowed to take a sick day if you're fucked. Yeah. But you're going to have to make it up to us in the back end. Yeah. So they're going to be putting these people on the tours with them that are just going to pull them out of fucking bed. And if it, if it means, like, this fella needs fucking 600 quid worth of cocaine to just be able to drink yeah. a coffee, get it for him and put it in him. Yeah, we're not in the business of keeping him fucking healthy. And in we're in the business cases, of keeping him alive. In some cases, got them on drugs. Oh, yeah, a lot. keep them awake, Just keep so, them awake, keep yeah. them controlled. One hundred percent. That's crazy. that's a uh, slow stone. Yeah, he's a uh, an interesting fella uh, with an interesting career. The whole the, the idea behind his little his little uh, recording studio he built in his house was is very interesting I'm, I'm, I, I need to go look and see if there's a documentary about that period of his oh, life there would be millions it's, on him it sounds the way he was putting things together sounds really weird yeah. like I said that album there's a riot going on there's just fucking noise it's crazy yeah the first time I heard that I was like this doesn't sound like it's recorded yeah. very well yeah. but then the more you listen you're like ah I think it was, he, was doing, he was doing things that Lee Scratch Perry done where it, it, there were so many layers that they ended up with just machine noise uh, yeah, there's a sound, there's a, yeah. honestly, there's a noise over yeah. the whole thing. And as yeah. well as that, some of the songs sound like they were recorded from different periods. Oh, more than likely. Well, it took them fucking years, I think, to actually yeah. get it together. That's and it was only album. when the label started, there's a million dollars to just fucking please give yeah. it to us. Give I it to us. That. And there's album. some fucking whoppers on it, like, um, yeah. Family Affairs on it, like, Jesus Thank you for Christ. letting me be myself. Yeah, like, there's some murder stuff on it. Lyrically as well, a lot of it's, um, well, the, the the album title is a response to Marvin Gaye. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, what's going on? Yeah. And then they write. Uh, apparently, there was another name for the album, and he decided he wanted it. Uh, once I think Marvin's album came out a year before this, or that year, or six months before this album he changed came out, it and he went, does, "Well, there's a riot going on, Marvin." That's what exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's a good name for the album. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there was murder over the, the album cover as well. Um, it's the American flag, but it's the American flag, but there's it's, yeah. It's, it's, I think they use suns instead of stars, and it's black and white, or it's the colors aren't correct. So that version of it is the original one, which is pulled, and then the label put just a picture of him on it. Um, but now what you're seeing is kind of the one that it was meant to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, it caused a lot of grief. Anyway, that's a uh, artist, troubled artist with mental illness, troubled uh, fruit cakes. I don't fucking know. Whatever you want to call it, we can't call it broke brains. Yeah, that's so, just not correct. There is something correct. wrong somewhere. And, uh, we do like to occasionally be politically correct, especially when we're drinking coffee. I know. Jesus. You know what, man? We lulled sometimes. Should I? It's too early to do a podcast. Two o'clock for me and it was too early. Yeah. But it's done. At the same time. It's, it's, it's a long one. It's nearly two hours, an hour and 50 minutes. Um, so what we will do is we'll be back in next week. Uh, I think the plan next week is to try and get a couple of them done and try and get one or two done for you, delicious Patreons. If you are not on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash lost our podcast it's five dollars a month which god knows what the fuck that is 440 or something yeah, uh, it's nothing just loads of podcasts videos nonsense absolute nonsense up there 
Um, but some great stuff. The best podcast we've ever done is up there as well. The TV, this, this, TV theme. This is the best podcast. Oh my God, I'm so tired. Best <laughs> podcast ever. Anyway, yeah. So I mean, imagine how good that is. Um, if you don't want to do that, go to facebook.com forward slash lost air podcast and share us out. Or Jesus, comment. Don't be afraid to comment. We're yeah. always very nice people to comment. We don't jump on his and kill us around. Yeah. Do not, us a favor. Not, Just not. share it out. Comment. Do something. Um, give us ideas. Also, the listener submission. Um, playlist is open as well so if you go onto the Facebook page you'll see the links there so and you, that, yeah. yeah we're going to do one of those I think in a couple of weeks uh, dump one song if you put more than one song I'm going to fucking delete you don't be a prick one song is what find you get you in your we will find you we'll send fucking slice down after you with his hunchback batty you with it um, <laughs> right anyway until next week thank you very much Good night.